You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But before we do that, I think I should give you a state of the podcast report. As you can tell, we are getting a little bit better about getting these out in a weekly manner. Uh, It's been over a week, but it hasn't quite been two weeks, so we're definitely uh, trying to get it dialed in. I do have a guest editor coming in um, because I am going to be preparing to leave for my vacation, and then Dragon Con is right after that. So I will not have time to edit the next episode. It would not get released before Dragon Con, and I really want to get that one before Dragon Con because just because we have so many in the backlog that need to get out. So we will get one out before Dragon Con, hopefully one very soon after Dragon Con, and we'll just keep it up. At this point, I don't think there's any way of switching to a more topical episode until I at least get all of the episodes out through the CW Berlanti show seasons because those are coming up in October. I want to get those released before the new season start, and then we can start switching back to movies, video games, topical, more topical podcasts, interviews. Uh, I have a few of those lined up. There's a lot of exciting episodes coming up. I just need to get to those. So, <laughs> Not to say these TV ones aren't exciting. It's just I know that some people are probably getting sick of them because I know I'm getting sick of releasing only TV-based episodes. So uh, we are getting to where soon we will switch that up. But with all that being said, now let's return to the podcast already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, I'm going to change the order that I usually do. And instead of introducing him last, I'm going to introduce him first. He is the man that you love to hate. And that is Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, I, I'm doing great. I, I guess it's a, uh, I can't say saving the best for last though now. Aha, see? This is pure <laughs> chaos. This is anarchy. You're, you're tearing everything down, Nathan. Yeah. I don't know what's coming next. You know? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I like to uh, vary things up, you know. I like to have, you know, Pluto as a planet, and, you know, I like to have <laughs> you, you on my show. So, you know, it's chaos always. I, I think both of those opinions just show how crazy you are. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on, Ryan? Well, well let's see, since the last time I was on. Was, you know, three days to Dragon Con, so yay. But I won't rub that in too much. Right. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's like totally like non-nerd related, but uh, the company I work for, we just, you know, I just got to give a shout out. I'm actually proud of them for one reason. We did some volunteer work this past week for, it's the, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey uh, hitting, hitting Houston. And this past Tuesday, we all went out and we rebuilt some living rooms and dining rooms for uh, some families who are just now getting back into their houses. Oh, wow. And it was, 
it was like a feel-good moment type thing. I mean, I'm completely exhausted. My arms hurt when I lift them. But, you know, I got to get that feel of moral superiority. So that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, Ryan. After doing a good yeah. deed for the community, you talk about your moral superiority. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I mean, you the, have your priorities straight. I, the, the first thing I did is I walked back into where I work and looked at all the employees that didn't volunteer and said, I'm better than you. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish you were joking, but I know you probably aren't. <laughs> that's for me and them to know. You right. know? <laughs> All right. Well, no, that's really cool, though. And that's that's actually, I mean, it's cool on one hand, and it's sad on the other hand that some people are just now getting back into their homes a year later. Yeah, I, it's it was a uh, it was an experience. I mean, it was um, in, in all honesty, it, they needed it, and they, they were extremely grateful and uh, yeah I'm, I'm just glad we did it. it's one of those it's one of those rare moments where it's like oh i work for corporate america and i'm actually kind of proud of it in this moment i'm right. sure next week you know <laughs> right right but uh anything else going on as you're prepping for dragon code no i mean because that was my day off now in my head i'm like well i still have to do my laundry i still have to you know pack this i have I've, i'm avoiding i don't open like there are people who are like oh is the app out is the app updated and i don't do that because that's just like i wait till the last minute to plan my schedule out and everything i'm going to be on i think five panels and otherwise i'm just going to you know, go see friends and have fun. I, I don't. I try. I try to not stick to a schedule. That's not my thing. Mm. How many panels are you doing? I've done more. I've done less. But I, I think that five is probably the perfect number. Mm. Yeah, I think the year that I went, I did seven. But yes. I, was, I was literally trying to get on every panel that I could. Yeah, I, I try and keep it to no more than two a day, if possible. Just because the thing about DragonCon is it's so chaotic. And and things come up and things change. And I kind of like that freedom of being able to say, nah, I'm going to take lunch now. Or, wow, I didn't even know this person was here. I'm going to go see them. Mm. And so when when I am on a panel, it's like, yay, I get to go. And I get to tell everyone my opinions, the correct opinions. But the downside <laughs> is I'm trapped there. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool deal. So is it uh, mostly American sci-fi uh, and fantasy? Or are you on yeah. uh, some of the other tracks? Well, I'm here right when to hear back on... Um, I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a under uh, understudy on a couple, but uh, yeah, those are the only ones that are confirmed right now. All right, cool deal. And good to have you back on. Good to be back. And next up, she is our expert on all things MCU, and that is Jen Hartshorn. How are you doing, Jen? I am doing excellent, sir. And how are you doing in the <laughs> three days? Like three days, right, <laughs> yes. since, since I saw you. I'm doing good. I'm gearing up for school, which which starts in a couple of days, and I I am have my first weekend of homework of the new term, so that's always exciting. Okay, I can feel your enthusiasm for the homework coming through well, over the. <laughs> sky. Well, to, okay, so so to be fair, some of some of the homework is super boring, but some of it is super exciting in a complete like nerdy kind of way. Because one of the classes that I'm taking is Bibliography and Textual Scholar. A little known short story of Sheridan Le Fanu, who was one of the first vampire writers. Um, so I'm, I'm nerding out about getting back to my literary roots and getting away from all the, like, teachy stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. So yeah, I, I I guess that there's probably isn't too much more going on uh, in only three days. <laughs> but we we talked about Luke Cage recently, so that was fun. We did. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, most of it. Uh, I had uh, I had a, a, a role playing game this afternoon, but other than that, it's it's been uh, binging binging Agents of Shield. 
Yeah, now uh, that role-playing game was uh, something Dracula-related also, right? Yes, it, it's a campaign for the, the Knights Black Agents uh, campaign using the gumshoe system. And it's called the Dracula Dossier. And it's it's sort of like a cross between vampires and burn notice. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're playing burned spies that, that have, you know, all of these spy skills. And find out that, that vampires are real. <laughs> That's awesome. It pretty much is. It was. It's pretty super awesome. Yeah, great. You should tell us more about that when you've been doing it for a while, because I'd be really interested to hear. All right, cool deal. But uh, it's great to have you back on, Jen. Why, thank you, sir. You're welcome. And finally, a guy who hasn't been on the show for a while. He is our expert on video games, and he always has a drink in his hands, and that is my buddy James Rowe. How are you doing, James? Oh, not so bad. Doing pretty good. That's probably because you always have a drink in your hands. (laughs) that's that's a fair assessment (laughs) so what are we drinking today so well right now because it i don't know i just had no energy so right now i'm drinking an energy drink called bang (laughs) Um, oh this is a first yeah so uh it's it's highly caffeinated so i'm very awake but in the other hand uh because you know i can two-fist it i'm good at that um i do have a glass of Jameson uh, Irish Whiskey. It's their cask, one of their cask made editions. So this is their IPA edition. So they actually age this cat or this particular batch in a IPA beer cask. So it gets some of that like kind of hoppy flavor in it, which I'm not sure how I feel about on any given day. I've had it and I was just like, <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst, but it's different. The other one they have to this that I really like is their stout edition. So that one is done in a stout barrel and it just has much richer, like smoother uh, finish to it. But this one's not too bad. Okay. So between hoppiness and peatiness, which is the better thing if you're going to have one or the other? Oh, God. (laughs) Probably hoppiness. Like that peat, man. Like if I want to just go chew on a bunch of moss, I'll just go do that, I guess. But. But then there was a time you were on, you said you were drinking one that had like a strong PD flavor and you were saying you liked it. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm so complex, like whiskey itself. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Have you, have you gone to a GameStop yet and asked them what uh, wine or or drink to pair with the video game yet? (laughs) Oh no, I haven't. Unfortunately, I've been. I just got back from vacation for two weeks, so I have not had the opportunity to be like, "Hey, what kind of drink would you pair with this?" <laughs> I really want to hear about the reactions. It would even be know, better right? if you could like sort of like stealthy cam like your encounter with the guy, just so you could videotape like the reaction to that question. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but uh, so you were on vacation. Where'd you go? Uh, so we went out to Montana for a couple of weeks and visited family. Uh, it wasn't too bad. It was dry because it's Montana. And the hottest day there was 102 degrees, Ooh. which it's a dry heat. So that's not too bad. I can't I can't complain for those of you who live in states where uh, there's this thing called humidity and it's mm. horrible. So yes. I can't really be like, oh, the heat, because I know nothing like Jon Snow. Um <laughs> <laughs> so but no it was good i actually ended up with a promotion while i was on vacation so that's good yeah most uh, of us I have to you... work for our promotions but you go <laughs> on know, vacation was, and get one i should go on vacation more often <laughs> right. that's my problem i'm at work too hard. Right. 
No, uh, I had to apply for it and everything. So I actually interviewed while I was on vacation over the phone. And uh, yeah, they made the offer like by the end of the first week of my vacation. And uh, so I'll be take uh, I'll be starting as a banker at a different branch uh, here actually in just a few days. All right. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, anything else uh, been going on since uh, the last time you were on? No, I mean, nobody's just walked up and punched me in the face. So oh, okay. nothing well, real that's, new. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that nothing geeky had happened. You let you plug whatever if you had something. Nah, I got nothing. I've been I've been playing the new Zelda Hyrule Warriors on my Nintendo Switch because I'm a Dynasty Warriors sap. Uh, it's literally the same concept in every single game. Nothing changes. <laughs> it's it's like it's kind of a throwaway game, but it's like my I don't know. It's it's my brain candy. Like I'm like I don't care. It's simple. I'll just, I'll just play this and waste a bunch of time. Let's do that. Okay. Well, it's good to have you back on, James. Good to be back. All right, and next up is our five-minute controversy. So uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time or who haven't uh, listened to an episode since very long ago, the five-minute controversy is something that we do just to sort of loosen up before we uh, get into our topic. And we just have, like, some random geeky thing that's causing everybody to lose their mind, and we talk about it. And uh, it also gives you a little bit of an insight into how we feel about things that aren't about the topic that we're going to talk about. So... Today's uh, topic, the thing that I want to talk about, it's a little bit old because it's been uh, a few weeks now since it came out of the time of recording, but since this episode won't actually be posted for a while, (laughs) they're all old anyway. So I'm talking about uh, the Titans trailer, which is uh, going to be the sort of flagship series on DC's new streaming service. And so that trailer was posted just before, I want to say it was posted before San Diego Comic-Con, but then it was also uh, played at San Diego Comic-Con, but there were a lot of very strong reactions to the trailer. So, James, why don't you start us off with just, uh, what did you think about this show, and do you think that this show is, or the, from the trailer, and what do you, do you think it's a good, um, hook for people to, uh, pay for DC's streaming service? Uh, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll my little rant on DC streaming service is, is just simply like, I just, I don't know. I think, I feel like it's overplayed. I feel like this is just a giant cash grab for them because they, they're, they're not finding the success they want with like their movies. Um, and so this is just like another opportunity for them to be like, Hey, get on our streaming network and you can watch all of the stuff you already have access to in multiple forms and mediums. But we have like four new shows that he might be interested well, in. Well, but only one of them when they start. Only Titans. The other ones will come <laughs> yeah, at some right, other point in the future. I like, here, so it's almost here's like vaporware. One new show. Please subscribe <laughs> to our streaming service. I don't know. I I think uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's just it's. There's so many things I could say about this. I mean, I think there's definitely things in this preview that are interesting uh just like little glimpses of like things we know in the dc universe you know so you know we we have the um oh what are they called <laughs> my brain's not working with me the 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 lady team up that's the uh the birds or whatever oh, oh, birds, of prey. birds of prey there we go uh, i was like i know says- i know the words <laughs> Says the girl who is is a Marvel girl and doesn't read comics. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> you guys should be embarrassed. I should. I always am. <laughs> so, so, I I mean, it was nice to see glimpses of that. I just don't know how I feel. Like, if this is Dick Grayson Robin, which is what I'm kind of getting here, because that's what we know from the Titans, is it was, it was to start, it was Dick Grayson Robin uh, as part of the Titans, and then he kind of evolved into Nightwing and still kind of part of the Titans. All that kind of stuff. So... It's interesting to see this, like, much... I don't know. DC's on this big, like, we want gritty in all of our shows <laughs> kick, except for the CW series, in which case we'll just have inconsistency. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I just... I'm so tired of DC trying to force this grimdark image of, like, anything down mm. our throats. But I can understand where, at the same time with this, they have the Titans TV show, the animated series. So they have Teen Titans Go. They had the original animated Teen Titans. They have Young Justice and all that. So uh, they have all these iterations that kind of involve some of the, the Titans and everything that are definitely a lot brighter. They're not quite as dark. And for whatever reason, this is like a totally opposite route. So I don't know. It could work. I don't think it's enough for me personally to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'll subscribe to your stupid service. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Jen, not being the, the non-comics reader and everything else? Did this trailer make you feel like you should sign up for the DC streaming service? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it definitely had the CW vibe. I thought that I felt like I was watching Riverdale. It's actually yeah. from the Berlanti group. That makes sense then. Uh, it, it definitely had that uh, that kind of look. Actually, e- even even more Riverdale than than the Berlanti verse. Just that, that that guy just had the I don't know something about the hair. He just some I don't know. But it, I mean, yeah, it's it's a grim dark comic series full of young pretty people, and yeah, we, we we've seen that. The, the thing that I remember hearing when this first came out was a, a resurgence in the, is the Joker in the movies a tortured version of uh, Dick Grayson? And is this going to be like a prequel to the, and that is not the vibe I got at all. No, I'd agree with that. I, I didn't hear anybody saying that, but... Yeah, I I don't uh, think it's, the best. I mean, it, it's 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 why you know, like how they're trying to to salvage like anything decent about that. God, what's his face? The guy that played the Joker, Try, trying to make it. Jared Leto. Yeah, that's it. That's it. God, he's. Ugh. Well, that would involve them actually coordinating between their TV and, and movie properties, right. which DC does not do. So <laughs> it's another reason right. why I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, if it, it's like if if it was on at at a at a convenient time for me, and most likely like if it was on right after a show that I actually wanted to watch, then I might sit through it. But getting a whole other s- service for it, no way, <laughs> zero <laughs> chance of that. Yeah, um, Ryan, what about you? Well, I, I think. Okay, when you said this was going to be our five-minute controversy, and uh, you said watch the trailer, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I didn't even know this trailer came out. I'm going to go check it out. And five seconds into it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I remember I did watch this. And I, I think the fact that I have watched it, yet I have no memory of watching it <laughs> until I watch it again, yeah. is in itself telling. 
yeah, uh, you know, uh, Jen said that it reminded her of Riverdale, and it's kind of like, yeah, I could see like, like the, the elevator pitch w- for this was we want Riverdale, but in the DC universe, but if it was done on Netflix, and <laughs> that, you know, and that's kind of what we're getting here. It just, I, I, if, if you, if your simple question is, would I pay for this? The answer is going to be unequivocally no. I, I feel like I should be paid to watch this. Uh, <laughs> I'm not against. I think DC has enough properties to do some killer stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you'd ask me, well, what about like you know, Young Justice or, or you know, season the next season of that and all this other stuff, then then you know, there's a debate to be had. But for this, if this is going to be the flagship for their streaming service, then it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like how Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, was the flagship for mm-hmm. CBS All Access, but it didn't actually premiere for months after the mm. service was launched and they actually had to go to something else and that's how i am with this i'm like i if this is the flagship i'll wait till the next flagship i'll wait to see what else they have because this isn't enough to sell me on it yeah well you know we talked about the glut of streaming services on an earlier episode yeah. of the 42 guest <laughs> linked here yeah right yes exactly and uh which i'll put in the show notes <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think that was the announcement of DC doing their own streaming service that precipitated that podcast anyway. But yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm just sick of the whole notion of it because it's like, oh, we're going to have all our old like movies and TV shows and you can also read comics on our streaming service. Well, la-dee-da, like James said, you know, all that stuff's available in other places and I'm not going to pay just for that. So really, the only new content you're getting at debut and in all these other series that they promised, we, we don't really know for sure if we're going to get, but they say we are, is this Titans thing. And so you watch this trailer, and even though I don't think continuity-wise it's going to link up to the murderverse that DC has in the movies, it's no. definitely in the same tone. We got Robin, like, straight up killing people, like, crushing someone's skull and shooting people and all kinds of crap, like, right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. He says F Batman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, oh, I don't know. It's so dark, but in a way that's, like, ridiculously overdone to the point where it's just completely tacky. You know, it's like, you can take something like the Nolan Batman movies, which are gritty and dark. But there's also some moments of light, because you can't just do dark 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 because at a point your brain just kind of shuts off and that's what snyder did in his movies and that's what it looks like this thing is going to do and i think that dc continues to learn the wrong lessons from everything and thinks somehow that oh robin that's a batman character and, and darks work for batman so let's have like this thing that has robin in it also be like super duper gritty dark and uh yeah i don't i don't yeah well the trailer itself was it wasn't really so much a titans trailer it was a robin and raven trailer right <laughs> i mean I, I think you had two seconds of the entire of any other character whatsoever right. and that's not really a selling point for an ensemble cast and i'm reminded when the set photos leaked of just fandom doing what fandom does and having a fit over the casting and and some of the choices there and i, and I think this is going and that's just the part that i hate because on the merits of it, nothing about this does it for me. But because so many people hate it, because, oh, look, they've cast a person of color, you know, in a traditionally alien white role, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the problem is Starfire is, like, gold-skinned. So really, no matter who you cast, you'd have to it's, put gold paint on them anyway, so it's not really... Yeah. There's, yeah, there's absolutely no reason that Starfire has to be anything that we expect. And I so I'm inclined... 
that would be the only way just just the curmudgeon in me just the want to shove it in the face of of the section the segment of fandom that gets upset about these things uh would make me want it to be a success well i mean if the trailer looked at all like something i would want to watch i would watch it and that you know and do you know and yeah it's just they didn't give me anything that had me excited at all yeah you know, maybe if it becomes available in some other way or DC does like, hey, do a free month or whatever, you know, I, I might tune in and watch the first episode and see if I care at all. But, you know, the advantage CBS had was that I was already heavily invested in Star Trek as an idea and a franchise. Exactly. And so, yeah, and so I was looking for opportunities to get in there to, to watch Discovery. But with this, I'm just kind of like, eh, if, if it's yeah. ever easy, you know. Yeah, I don't need to pay for to see another superhero show. I had to pay to see the only Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Well, the Orville. Uh, nah, That's different true. podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you if you like fan fiction. <laughs> Shots fired. When when the fan fiction is better than the original, you know. Yeah, if you by which you mean derivative, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, we've talked about the Orville before, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there again. But all right. But uh, yeah. So it seems like. Uh, but here's the funny thing. I've seen I've seen people on Facebook who saw the same trailer were like, "This looks awesome. This is great. You know, this looks like it's gonna be badass. You know, it runs the full game. It's it's it. I haven't yeah. seen anyone just kind of go like, "Oh yeah, this looks okay." Maybe everyone's been one extreme or the other. Like, ah, oh, this doesn't look good at all. Or like, oh yeah, rah rah rah. I really want this. Well, I feel like a mass amount of the people who are like, this looks badass, probably also love Zack Snyder and love Murder <laughs> Batman and everything else. Yeah, probably. And Release the fair, Snyder Cut! Oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> there is no such thing. I mean, but to, to be fair, right? Like, if the question was, would I watch it and it was on CW? Yeah, I would check it out. Probably. Sure, why not? But will I pay for it? No, that's a lot. That's a there's a big there's a gap in between those two answers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it's fair, but I don't think that I don't think that this show as it is without heavy cutting could be on the CW just from what they're showing on the trailer. If they have any faith in it, they need to do what again to go back to CBS All Access did. They need to show like the first you know one or two or three episodes free, uh, and then give you a chance to get hooked. And they probably will. I'm sure they'll do like every other streaming service where your first month is free or some nonsense like that. And maybe I will check it out that way. I would have been more sold on the trailer if instead of Titans, it wasn't Titans. And if this gritty Robin wasn't Dick Grayson, but was like Jason Todd. And this was like Mm -hmm. the beginning of Red Hood. I'd been a whole lot more sold on it because I'd been like dark and gritty. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like Batman, Ninja (laughs) Stars and killing people. Yeah, Red Hood. Sign me up. Let's watch it. But see, Dick Grayson's a name that people recognize, James, so that's what they gotta uh-huh. use. Well, and, and until Regardless they made Jason character. Todd Red Hood, nobody liked Jason Todd. <laughs> well, there's a reason they killed him. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that was like a vote. That was like, call here if you want Jason to live. Call here if you want him to die. And people uh-huh. literally voted to kill him. <laughs> Brutally murder him. <laughs> 
says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but yeah, we, we all agree on this one. I'm having too much agreement on these five-minute controversies. I need to find some more controversial. Even the one I thought for sure we were going to be divided on with James Gunn was the one that everyone that I had on that one agreed on. Uh, maybe it's who you have on. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I thought we were going to have a real debate. All right, but anyway... <laughs> So yeah, that's our five-minute controversy. And if you think Ryan's wrong, please email us at everything at 42 <laughs> No. It should be Ryan's wrong at 42 right. Well, unfortunately, I only get one email address free with the website, so I'm not going to pay for extra email addresses. Just open enough. the Gmail account. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. All right. But uh, yeah, so before we uh, get, get into the topic, uh, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Howdy! Dragon Con 2019 is fast approaching, so fill up your buckets of rum and keep up with the latest news, announcements, interviews, and mispronunciations of guest names as only the Con Report podcast crew can make. Let us be your guide each month as we count down to the big event on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media play. Listen to the Dragon Con Con Report. It's almost as good as being there, but without the long lines, smelly gamers, and hangouts. And we're back. And so this week we're going to talk about Season 5 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was a little bit unusual because it didn't debut until December, which was... In my mind, a poor decision on their part, but they had delayed because of Inhumans. I thought for sure they were going Another to Another poor decision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I felt like starting just after Inhumans ended was probably a bad idea because it was like right around the holidays, but oh well, they don't listen to me. <laughs> so yeah, the, it started kind of late in the season, but it still had the uh, normal format of uh, an A story and a B story. Um, and so we kind of uh, went between the, the team in the future storyline that they started off with to then them being back in the present and having to change the the fate that they saw for the world so uh let's start just talking about that first half with them trapped in the future world uh with the Cree running things so james why don't you uh just give a, a brief overview of what you thought of that did you did you like it did you not like it what you know what do you think of that uh, overall so, I mean, initially at the end of season four, when we kind of, and, and they did their Comic-Con preview and they're like, agents in space. <laughs> I was just like, well, I mean, where else is there to go at this point? Really? Like, we haven't been to space. <laughs> so I wasn't really sure because season four, I wasn't like super impressed with. And I, I felt like the series really? was really kind of hitting oh. this. Oh, actually, let's back up a moment here, James, because you weren't on our season four podcast. Uh-huh. Just, just tell us what why you didn't like season four because I think uh, uh, universally the rest of us uh, liked season four quite a bit. So yeah. I, I do want to hear your thoughts on season four really quick. Uh, uh, give me a second here. Uh, Agents of Hydra, LMD, the mainframe. Yeah, so the I thought the Matrix. Yeah, I think that I but better to some degrees. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I thought certain concepts of it were definitely compelling in terms of like the whole in you know being in the matrix as it were and you know this alternate reality and like the real conflict i think it was mostly like the first half of the season that i was just like i was just kind of lost on where i was like i don't 
I get what you guys are trying to do, and like it's interesting to go with like Ghost Rider and all that. I thought there were just some good concepts, but I don't know. For me, it just didn't all come together very well. Like it just kind of seemed to, I don't know. That's fine. I mean, and I realize you're casting your mind back quite a ways here, but I was just curious because you just mentioned that because, uh, you know, like I say, the rest of us, we, we already did an episode about uh, season four, uh, so I just wanted to get uh, kind of your thoughts on that. But that's, that's okay. I understand about the Ghost Rider thing. Yeah. I, didn't, I mean, I think it did a well good job either, of but... building the groundwork of some character development that we really got to see in, in an, I don't know, in an interesting light coming into season five because, you know, you've got all these characters who they lived a different life. They were different people and they weren't necessarily good. And they're still very much like dealing with that while, you know, simultaneously like waking up and it being the movie aliens, uh, for one whole episode. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. I thought, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the, the directing that happened in this season, they used some really cool concepts, um, that we've seen in other like sci-fi tropes and things like that. I think they really capitalized on that. I thought overall the story, just like part one was interesting and part two like, got into just a, I don't know, a little bit of a bizarre place. But, like, I was still, like, hooked through the whole season. Like, I was just like, space is working. I like space. This is good. So, I, overall, like, I think it was really, like, I don't know. I think it came together really well with the concepts and ideas. And we got to see a lot of, I think, new things in terms of the way they, they wanted to shoot things and the way they wrote story than what we've seen previous other than using kind of the same metric, like you said, where, you know, we kind of have story one and story two. That was really the only thing that was consistent from other seasons, but I think they did a lot of different things compared comparatively to previous seasons. Yeah, it was kind of a slow burn. I expected there to be a lot more from the mainframe that carried over, like, immediately. But I think they did a better job of, like, just subtly working that. Because they were in, like, they were immediately in a dangerous situation <laughs> and kind of had to deal with that. But, yeah, I think the slow burn, especially with Fitz of having to come to grips with who he was in the mainframe and the fact that he has this whole other personality basically that's that's a part of his life that i really enjoyed as the as the series progressed uh the season progressed but jen you were saying something no i i was just saying i i believe it's the framework and not the mainframe oh yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> thank you framework so, mainframe <laughs> matrix it's something right. in there so we all need to say like framework and then he'll go back and edit it in. So, you know, <laughs> we have a conversation with framework and then you have the words will continue. <laughs> yeah, I really like the framework and the part of the show. <laughs> all right. So, Ryan, what did you think of the first half of season five? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they do a. Uh, it's tough, right? Because I compare, I have to, in my head, distinguish the fact that this is in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, you know, theoretically, but it has a hundredth of the budget of any of the movies, right? So I'm watching it, and it, it's got this the, this claustrophobic feel. They're on what remains of the lighthouse, floating, you know, in space and everything. And they did a fairly good job of creating this sort of sense of of just low budget horror. Alien, yeah, I think we use the word aliens type movie uh, to like when they like when we we see the roaches in the very first episode and Melinda is almost immediately taken out to explain her in her real life injury and it just I was into it. But then I've been into Agents of Shield since the very beginning. They've had their highs and lows, but I would say the past two or three seasons they've been consistently good. They've had great moments, 
but they've never really fallen to that dragging in season one feel that they had um, waiting for uh, Winter Soldier. So, yeah, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I've been leery of doing time travel in the MCU for so many reasons, but I feel like they handled it in a way that was entertaining, and I was intrigued, and if I squinted just right, I could buy that this was actually happening. Well, I mean, the whole thing, though, was a tease, right? Because we were all expecting that they had just been, like, teleported to, like, a spaceship or a space station or whatever. And then, I mean, even the reveal that this is actually the future, I thought was really well done in that first episode as you're slowly sort of like coming to grips with what's happened here and and what's going on. And I I, I remember being really, really excited about that. And all the fans were like, oh, it's going to be sword. It's going to be sword. Right. And I kept trying to tell people it's not sword because they're not allowed (laughs) to use it. You know, because at that point, Disney wasn't acquiring Fox. And so it's like. But everybody wanted to believe it. And I was like, it doesn't even make sense from a storytelling standpoint that, you know, if it wasn't in Fury's toolbox, I don't believe that there's a sword out there. And I will say, though, that the first half of the season gave us perhaps one of the best characters that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has ever had. And I'm speaking, of course, not of Deke, but of Enoch. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kept trying to figure out if he was from the comics, but I couldn't come up with anything. I thought he might have been one of the Rigelian recorders, but where he said that he came from wasn't Rigel, so I'm not sure. And Titan wasn't Titan, so, you know, don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, But, anyway. (laughs) Um, So, Jen, what did you think of that first half? So, I'm going to confess something. I stopped watching. (gasps) What are you doing I, on this podcast? Because <laughs> I, I went back and watched. But um, I was not happy with... And, and the thing is, it wasn't even like I rage quit and said, I don't, I don't, I'm not, never going to watch this again. It's just I like forgot it was on. <laughs> because it was not a priority in my life. I was completely bored by by the whole. I, I just I felt like they've completely run out of ideas, and I, I just felt like they were they were treading water because they didn't have any actual plot line, and were just saying, "Oh well, let's let's explore being trapped on a space station, and life is hard." And I I dropped out for a bit, and then someone said, hey, there's a Fitz episode. I'm like, okay, well, I'll come back and watch the Fitz episode. (laughs) (laughs) And the the flashback one with him and and Lance. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll I'll, I'll watch the rest of this. And even then, I I, I know I missed a couple and had to, like, go back a couple days later and watch them. But I was not feeling it. I just, Deke annoyed the hell out of me. High Priestess Gemma was not doing it for me. Cassius had some nice outfits. <laughs> I, I I liked his style in that respect, but yeah, and and so dark. Not not just thematically, but literally visually dark. And so many fight scenes where I'm squinting at the TV and going, "That might have been cool, but I can't tell because it's so freaking dark." So yeah, not not super happy with the uh, first half of that season. Wow, yeah. I personally, I mean, dark futures that need to be changed are like my jam in sci-fi stories. You know, like I'm a sucker for that. Like anytime like characters go in the future, see everything's all screwed up and have to go back and fix it. That, I don't know for whatever reason, but like Days of Future Past and X-Men, anything like that, uh, I'm all about. 
So I was really excited about this. I thought the reveal was great. And uh, like Ryan, I, I had a sort of pleasure that it wasn't Sword. Because <laughs> of all the people who kept insisting that it's Sword. <laughs> but I just, I uh, see, I didn't see the, the lack of direction or even the difficulty telling what was going on. I, I heard you making that comment before, Jen. I thought you were talking about in the second half of the season when they had those aliens that, that like literally made everything dark. And... You know, and, and that's what you were talking about with that. We'll get but... to my thoughts on the second half of the season. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I um, I loved it. I love the fact that Max, the only person who's actually seen genre television in the yeah. in the team, and Max commentary is always so on point. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they were, the one-liners were great, but they yes. always are. <laughs> Mac became, like, MVP, like, so quickly. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, I mean, and the, the thing is, like, I know that they were covering for Ming-Na Wen's real-life injury, but I felt that it allowed them to do some interesting storytelling things with May. you know, once she is no longer the unstoppable action woman. So I liked that. I liked the things that they were doing with her and the fact that she had to sort of grow beyond that character. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought they successfully did over the entire course of um, the season, both the first and half, both parts, was they created this, I'm, I'm going to get the term wrong, was it World Killer or World Destroyer? I don't a remember. Destroyer of Worlds. Destroyer of Worlds, yes. And they did a good job of, it's rare that I can watch a show and not just figure out immediately who they're talking about. And yeah, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season and the end of the season who I thought World Destroyer of Worlds was going to be, it was not would not have been that. Right. <laughs> there's, yeah, <laughs> there's no way I would have gone with that answer. And I will have to give them credit for that, for just pulling the rug out from under me by laying... At first, oh, the World Destroyer, I thought it was going to be... You know, Is it going to be Daisy? Then I even thought it was going to be that one uh, kid who could uh, control the rocks, uh, control you know Earth. And there were so many possibilities. And I, I got to give them credit, at least for that. It felt like... Maybe you didn't like the story. Maybe you didn't like where they were going with it. But at least it felt like they actually had a plan from beginning to end. Yeah, it was so great seeing Hunter again. And then when Fitz started playing the bounty hunter that Leia plays in Jabba's Palace. Yes! That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and what was great, though, it is so subtly Fitz was channeling... Dr. Fitz from the yeah. from the framework yeah. in that episode. And you could see the beginning of what they were going to do in the second half of the season. And that's when I really started paying attention and going like, yes, this is interesting. Because Fitz basically has to take on that persona mm-hmm. to get through this situation. He has to pretend that he is a completely yeah. heartless and cruel person to, you know, to get where he needs to go. Yes. Pretend. You can't see it, but I'm doing Right, yes. Uh, yeah, I can see the quotations. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the truly interesting thing, because Fitz was the only one whose entire life was different, basically, in the in the framework. And so the fact yeah. of the matter is, he's got two sets of memories and two complete people that he turned out as to, like, you know, and, and sort of the cognitive dissonance of that is an interesting thing for them to explore. But that second half, I don't want to get there yet. Um... <laughs> So I wanted to talk about Deke, of course, because he's our new character that was introduced in season five. And he first shows up trying very much to be Star-Lord. Look, (laughs) everything, you know, is kind of like, oh, this is our low budget Star-Lord. So, uh, yeah, thoughts on Deke. Jen, we'll start with you. What did you think of this guy? My my first impression was was that 
I really didn't like him. I felt like it was like a caricature of a caricature of a caricature. It was just so, so silly. And I just was not digging it. The actor was was fine. He was, you know, doing what was there. But I was like, okay, they, they can't keep this going for that long. I mean, <laughs> he's going to like get killed off or something real soon now. And it kept not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I also thought it was very weird when he, uh, he had his, his little like corner of the framework set up. And I'm like, really? You, you could just, you know, dude who grew up like in, in, in this, you know, post-apocalyptic dystopia, you figured out how to do this. Okay. Well, or at least he, it's like, I don't know. He, I got more of the impression he figured out how to operate it, not necessarily build it. Like I couldn't build, uh, you know, a PlayStation, but I could figure out how to run one. Yeah. But we didn't have that information available to us at the time, as far as what might have been going on in the in between years. So, like, I was I agreed with Jen when that first happened, and I was like, "What? This loser? You know, <laughs> who can just like whip up like a, a cheap framework, really, <laughs> with spare parts?" And you know. Yeah. But yes, we have no clue if that was, like, an older Fitz that might have created that, or the mom might have created, you know, who who knows who created that. You know, and he might have just been running it. What about you, uh, James? What did you think of Deke? I wanted to kind of slap him most of the time. Because, <laughs> well, like, so, I mean, obviously, like, we end up with the big reveal, right, of, like, who he is and everything in, like, part two. And, like, at that point, like, I'm <laughs> looking at him, and then I'm looking at who are his potential and supposed parents. And I'm like, grandparents or grandparents. And I'm like, he's an idiot. How would their <laughs> kids have fallen that far? And like, the how thing was that that, that was Fitz's that. reaction too. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, right. when, when he gets a reveal, he's like, no. And I'm like, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, there were moments where, like, the character was, like, great, and he was fine, but, like, I got really tired of his whole, like, swooning over Daisy, like, uh-huh. and just, like, how do I impress this chick? And I was, like, it's like watching a high school bro idiot, like, try to impress this girl, and, like, yeah. she doesn't care. She could care less, <laughs> more so than I. <laughs> and so I was just... I don't know. I think there were concepts they they were trying to do with him, but there's just nothing I think they could do to make me love the character. Yeah, although to be fair, if I was a young single guy near Daisy or Chloe Bennett or whatever, I'd probably be swooning too, but it's a whole other... (laughs) It's a whole other (laughs) subject. (laughs) Ryan, (laughs) what do you think of Deke? Well, you know, uh, I've... He's no Lincoln, you know. <laughs> well, that's true. That's you know, if you want to set the bar as low as you can, there you go. Well, see, the thing is, you got to think of just the first half too, because I think Deke got better in the second half, but just, just the yeah. first half. Well, in the first half, there was honestly, he was probably more interesting in the first half because there was a degree of a large degree of moral ambiguity around him. He, he would basically sell you out and. It, he was looking out for number one. If he liked you, great. But he wasn't going to let his liking you cost him anything. So that was kind of intriguing. That was like, okay, I, I, you can work with this. And so, I mean, I didn't hate him, but I did not see where they were going with him. I really, I, I, 
I was like hands down believing that he was either going to die in the future or stay in the future, and that was all we were going to see of him. So I, I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was just a one purpose character. Yeah, I was definitely surprised when they carried him forward into the second half, uh, also, because, you know, especially when, you know, where he was exploded. <laughs> you know, I thought that that was it. And I do have to say, though, that I do think it's freaking hilarious that considering uh, uh, Quake or, or Daisy's relationship with, with men, right, that the, the actor who plays Deke, his name is Ward. So mm. I don't know, maybe that means something. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected, Ryan. It's all connected, yeah. <laughs> it's the Marvel tagline. As, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, the men that have been interested in Daisy, it's just been like, they've getting, gotten progressively worse, from Ward right. to Lincoln to Deke. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I yeah. thought you said that he was better than Lincoln. Well, yeah. I said he was no Lincoln. Oh, know? okay, fair <laughs> enough. But no, he, he actually was better than Lincoln. I just, at least he was more interesting. Than well, Lincoln. I'm just grateful that they didn't go for, uh, you know, she likes him back thing. That, you know, it was actually a little better that it wasn't like, oh, you're my new boyfriend for this season, right. you know, kind of thing. That she was just kind of like, she, I mean, it wasn't even like that she, like, had a distaste for him or didn't care for him. She just, like, didn't even, like, notice him in that way at all. Exactly. You know? And even <laughs> despite all those wins, you know? Right. But, uh, <laughs> but again, like, that's the strength of this show. clueless about the fact that he had an interest in her at all well but it wasn't just that he she was clueless she was also still hung up on on lincoln and i think that's kind of one of the strengths of the show is they they don't for they don't reboot every episode or even every season they remember these things mm-hmm. no it's true yeah i uh see i disagree with you ryan i thought it was fairly and, and this is interesting because it has been a while since i've seen these episodes but I thought it was fairly like clear from the from the very early on, you know, after the first couple of episodes, that he was he was supposedly a quote unquote guy who's only out for number one, but he had the heart of gold, right? You know, he was one of those ones that's like, I, I say that I'm selling you out, but really I have this plan or whatever to get you out of whatever situation, or I'm doing this for your good, so even though you think it's a bad thing that I'm doing to you, I'm actually I'm actually saving your life kind of thing. And I I don't know, I felt like I would have been a little better with he was truly morally ambiguous and didn't really care about anybody but himself. He he I mean that that was a justification. He was morally ambiguous. He he sold Daisy out to Cassius and then like the whole I'm doing this for you. No, he wasn't. He was doing it for him. Mm, I don't know. I didn't buy it. <laughs> I didn't buy it. He just seemed like one of those guys that it's like he he literally thought there was no chance. So he was trying to save her life. Like by his for his point of view, he saved her life by doing that. Eh, I mean, maybe he did actually. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I found him kind of weak as a character. You know, it didn't help that he started off as the poor man Star Lord because it was just one of those <laughs> things where I'm like, you are not Chris Pratt like level of an actor, <laughs> yeah. so you shouldn't try to like emulate him. It's it's yeah. I mean, he, he started, started off- trying to act like Thor, that then it'll just. Be- <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked that a whole lot more. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but one quick aside, I have heard a rumor, I do not know if this is true, that uh, that somebody is going to be doing a Star-Lord cosplaying as Thor <laughs> at DragonCon. <laughs> and if that happens, I want pictures. Yeah, it'll, it'll be on the internet, don't worry. It's <laughs> like an <laughs> angel and a pirate had a baby. Exactly. Whereas Dee's like if... Well, frankly, like if Gemma and Fitz had a baby who had a baby. 
Well, here's here's my worry, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. My worry for season six is that we're going to try to figure out his lineage on the other side too, and I really don't care. <laughs> you know, who were his father's parents, and and who are they in our time? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, well, I'm sorry. It's just it felt like a, a Zima commercial. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. All right. Okay, okay. We also had Enoch, as Ryan uh, mentioned. So, um, Ryan, what did you think of Enoch? Oh, he was the best. Yeah, I, we had the episode with Hunter and Fitz. Uh, yeah, sure, fine. But the chemistry between Enoch and Fitz was like ten times that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> no, I just felt Enoch was obviously my first thought you, you thought you had your suspicions and my first thought was just that oh he's the best that they can do for a watcher yeah yes. for yeah exactly yeah and so that's kind of what he was he's only able to interfere in world destroying events and disqualifies and i was really sorry to see him go but on the other hand by the time we did lose him i was that one hurt i was like you can kill deke a thousand times right. over and I'm fine with that, but Enoch, he was sacrificed himself, my battery can charge it, or whatever. And I was like, no, Enoch, no! <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just, I th- a lot of it, of course, was just the delivery of the actor. The second one that they got in the second half of the season, you know, was like, oh, okay, sure. Enoch, I don't know, from the, from the moment, it, granted, when he first kidnaps them, you think, oh, this is a villain, but I don't know. He, it, But then I guess this is also, maybe it's my personality, it's the same part of me that loved data and all these and spock and all these other emotionless characters you know? right. my w- one problem with enoch was that you know he suddenly like okay he so he can change his skin pigmentation that makes sense that they're meant to like mix around like with other races and whatever but it's sure. like all the kree are like seven feet tall right you know they're these <laughs> towering huge guys and he just changes from like pink skin to blue skin and it's like oh yeah he passes as a kree now and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thinks this is weird, you know. Runty over here, but <laughs> aren't you a little short for a Cree? Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's he's a Cree accountant. They have to have them. I don't know. He's not a warrior. <laughs> what did you think of Enoch, Jen? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was he was good. Uh, he was certainly interesting. He, uh, you know, out of the the new characters that we were introduced to. Deke and and all the the various denizens of the, the the lighthouse and all he was way more interesting than any of them I thought and yeah I, I would love to see seeing as he is is somebody that oh could, could that happen I don't know I was gonna say it would be cool if he could come back yeah he can yeah, because there's still can. there's still a version of him you know now exactly. it was the future yeah, exactly. him that died yeah right so uh, so that'd be cool I wouldn't mind seeing him again. And uh, James, any other thoughts about Enoch? Uh, I mean, I liked him. Okay. I, <laughs> overall, yeah. I mean, I think I, I thought he was just like kind of like Ryan said. I think really <laughs> what sold the character more than anything is just the way he was delivered by the actor. I like that he's kind of just this very like plain alien. Like he he's just so he's so the straight man, but he has these really great like comical moments uh, that I feel like they used really well. And the fact that he's kind of the catalyst for everything, even though his minors or his role is so minor. Yeah. I thought was just a unique way of like utilizing that character. No, I agree. And and yeah, you brought out what I wanted to talk about, which was that, you know, he was fun. You know, I mean, even though he was this dispassionate, emotionless guy, you know, he had some of the best lines. So it was a great kind of character and he had a great dynamic with Fitz. And 
you know, yeah, I, I would like to see him back next season because I was thinking about that because, well, we're going to get to that in the second half. But <laughs> there, there's every reason why they could run into him again. Oh, absolutely. But let's talk about the lighthouse and the characters, and I'm not going to go one by one. Jen, you've already kind of mentioned your thoughts on the lighthouse and everything. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, Sonar and her death balls didn't do it for you? <laughs> her death balls. Um, <laughs> not especially. The the character, I, I looked up his name, uh, the character of Grill was actually a, a, a character actor that I really, really like. And so I, I kept wanting for him to be more interesting than he was. <laughs> he was the one that was, like, yeah. the, the, the guy who runs Barter Town, basically. Mm-hmm. It runs the rock-crushing operation. Right. Uh, and, and he was... I love the actor, and I, I kept waiting for something cool to happen, and it just didn't materialize. Like I said, for me, the, the, the highlight of all that was that Cassius had awesome threads. I, I thought he had excellent taste in patches. I totally want that coat. Everything else I can pretty much walk away from. Sure. James, what did you think about the lighthouse and the different characters, Yeah, both Cree and human, that they had on there? It's not like a weird, because I mean, obviously, this was like a post-apocalyptic kind of situation, right. which I mean, we've seen in a number of different things. I thought it was interesting the fact that like humanity was—I uh, don't know—they seemed they always seemed to have the numbers, <laughs> but it was like apparently one Cree was as strong as like I don't know a hundred people, um, <laughs> so they could just never seem to overwhelm them, which. I there was a point where I was like, huh? <laughs> I, I think that the, they were dependent on the Kree for survival. Like, the Kree were supplying them with oxygen or something. Or helping mm. them grow food. Because they even mentioned the brief flashback they had to shortly after the disaster. And uh, Yo-Yo and uh, May are talking. And she said, she's saying something to May about how, like, you know, letting the Kree onto the lighthouse was a, was a bad move or whatever, and May was like, we need them. Like, we literally need them to survive. Mm, and so I that's think that's right. what happened. And the Kree were just basically farming them for inhumans. So that's, that's yeah, what the Kree I mean, got it out felt, of it. It felt like a very interesting, like, juxtaposition from, like, what we have seen, like, in history itself, where they were almost, it was almost like the humans were living in, like, this prison camp-esque situation. I mean, they had you know, autonomy to be able to, like, go about their lives, so to speak, but not really. Um, like, you know, there were rules, and they couldn't step out of those rules, and otherwise, like, Cree punishment was very much on the level of, you know, just utter brutality. You know, there was zero mercy, and so I thought that was interesting that, like, the human struggle was was literally just not any better at all uh, in many ways beyond we're surviving uh that's an accomplishment guys <laughs> so I, I had such a problem with them being able to go out on the surface of the broken earth until they like whipped out the oh there's gravitonium like infusing the earth and that's why yeah. there's like uh, stable yeah. <laughs> right but I, I had such a problem with that yeah ryan what about you okay i i thought Cassius was creepy enough with his whole you know i'm gonna pick the pretty ones to serve me as muted servants yeah, that was uh, kind of weird. And then, then his whole appearance was like he was an inverted Cree, right? The paintings mm-hmm. on him were entirely different. I thought maybe there's different casts or. I-, I thought that that was all. I mean, they made the they made the or at least to me, what I got out of it was that he was such a like 
a feet person like he painted his entire body you know like a different mm. color or whatever because he obviously didn't want to get his hands dirty he was not a warrior he just wanted to just bask in pretty things in life and he had been forced <laughs> to this awful place and he would just surround himself with beauty and hopefully uh just like scheme his way back into uh, his father's good graces well i, I don't know necessarily his parents maybe that that would be interesting i I think they could have incorporated that into some sort of scene. I could even see, like, I don't know, him being painted or something. Is to, to I show. thought they did show that, though. Did they? Yeah, I thought they did show that, that he was being painted, and that's the thing. That's why his coloration was different. Like, it was heavy yeah. makeup. They, they might very well have a... I'll get eventually around rewatching <laughs> uh, the season. But I got I kind of got to disagree. I thought... I, I, I kind of loved Sonara. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah, she had the balls of death, and like every time she showed up, there was the thundering music, dun, dun. and you know. But uh, other, I, I found her menacing. She almost never talked. She was kick ass. Yeah, and, and she could throw magic death balls. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, they're actually just medicine balls, but yeah, they, they yeah. she make them fly. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, I, and, the, and the braid and everything. No, she, she. I thought she was a uh, she was strong in every way Cassius was weak and they kind of made their relationship was so interesting in a sense because she was like the one thing that he was loyal to to a point yeah he clearly passed that point but yeah so i i don't know the dynamic between them was interesting and i found those two more interesting than any of the humans like like jennifer i knew the actor that played grill so i was like oh this this would be good but i guess he was just there for the paycheck and the actress that played Tessa, I've seen her do other genre stuff. So she was uh, that. She, that was just the whole. Oh, she must live in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, none of them, with the possible exception of, and I'm gonna have to look up his name, the boy who could control rocks, uh, Flint. Was that his name? Yeah, Flint. Yeah, Flint. Were really that compelling or interesting? I did like the idea that the, really the Cree obviously weren't there to save humanity they couldn't care less they were there to make in humans and they that was a, an interesting concept I, I felt like this dystopian future actually made sense in a larger cosmic mcu way which i guess is where the whole thing's been going you know since guardians of the galaxy and and i would so love for captain marvel to be able to play and to, to reference this or play into this in some way it's nice to want things yeah, yeah. <laughs> well my theory if Inhumans had actually done well, my theory was, you know, Inhumans, and oh, actually, you didn't see it, did you, Ryan? Not yet. Oh, okay. Well, Don't lie. Yeah. No, no, do not watch it. It's terrible. Inhumans ends with Black Bolt being terrified of something. We don't know what it is, but there's something in space that terrifies him. And I thought what we were working up to was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. having, like, a Kree invasion. You know, and, and even the second half of the season almost hinted that that's what was about to happen. And I thought that that's when the harvesting of Inhumans was going to start. And that that's how those shows would sort of segue together. Is that, you know, that's when the Kree invade. And, and so even in this timeline, even if they save the Earth, there would still be this, you know, Inhuman harvesting that would happen. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, going to happen anymore or anything like that. But that's that's sort of where, where I thought that it might be going. But yeah, the, the idea of the Inhumans being harvested was great. And the Cassius and Arthur, especially when you don't realize at first that she's not really his sister, and they have this weird relationship that's kind of almost <laughs> like, this might be like a little more than brother-sister, I don't, you know. <laughs> I was figuring that they really were brother and sister, and it was just that kind of a family. Right, yeah, it's just a sort of, a, sort of Egyptian hey. thing we're going for here, where they married their sister, you know, kind of thing, but... 
yeah, no, I, I like that. I like the whole idea. I mean, Cassius, you know, yeah, you think that he's loyal to her until he's ready to just be like, oh, I can get out if I, you know, prove the destroyer of worlds. All right, Sonara, you're in. You know? yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saving me that one time. Right. <laughs> but then that thing is, I thought for sure that she was going to side with the brother against Cassius then. And then when she, you know, kills him and stays loyal to Cassius is, yeah. you know, kind of surprised me. And we never really got a through line on that uh, because she dies herself so soon after that. And she doesn't really say much because I really would have been curious to know what she was thinking that she did that. I, I did like her up until like that final fight because I felt like it was so ridiculously done because I'm like, wait a minute, if gravity is coming up and down, like yes. why <laughs> would she like, she, she's so slowly, you know, I mean, cause physics, right? She so slowly just sort of slowly floats over to that pole and then just impales herself. And I'm like, there wasn't enough like force in her motion to impale herself on that pole. You know, it just, it, it was so poorly done. It, it really. Cree are thin skinned. <laughs> she was awesome up until that moment. But... You know, I like the whole idea of the Inhuman Gladiator contest and all that kind of stuff, but none of the Inhumans themselves were interesting. I, I like the uh, thing where, like, Fitz thinks he's proposing to Gemma. <laughs> and she yeah. can't hear him. That was funny. <laughs> and then she ends up proposing to him, so I thought that, that was a nice little, you know, twist there. <laughs> I already did that. Right, yeah. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> But yeah, the humans weren't very interesting to me. I did like the idea of, um, oh God, the girl, the little girl grown up. Oh, well, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. I, I liked her and I liked the relationship she had with May. Robin. Yes. Robin, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, duh, like the bird. Duh. <laughs> yeah. I liked that because, again, it's it's sort of like moving May's story, you know, a little bit. And uh, I thought that their relationship was was interesting and uh, how that continued when they went back into the past. But uh, I liked that. But then, of course, there was the the real shocker, and uh, I kind of want your thoughts on this, is Yo-Yo and how we see Yo-Yo. Because I knew as soon as Cassius recognized her, I was like, holy crap, he's got her somewhere. She's still alive, you know. And I was expecting her to just be, like, old somewhere, you know, but he's, like, got, you know, a hold of her. Like, maybe she was, like, one of his personal Inhumans or something. But, no, they just, like, had her, like, in a, a permanent resurrection, like, you know, harvest some stuff and keep going kind of situation, which, I don't know, it's just really disturbing to me, you know, seeing her. And especially when we see her without the arms. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm thinking, like, the, the Kree just, like, hacked her arms off, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's just Cassius right. controlling her. Right, yeah, because yeah. then she can't, right. like, even if she can run fast, she can't open doors or anything. And, you know, yeah, I thought, well, but I also thought that that might be how they were harvesting the material from her to, to you know, uh, maybe create more Inhumans was to just hack yeah. her arms off. Oh, we got a huge sample now. But, of course, then we find out that, no, those were already gone. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, did you guys? It was were you guys shocked when you saw that? Since I, I did that was another episode that I did not mm. see live. Uh, it got spoiled for me like the sure. next day. But on the plus side, it it made me go, oh well, I should probably go back and watch that then. So it has that going for it. But yeah, that was that was as 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 shocking as as that was. And we'll get to it when we talk about the second half. I was actually more shocked when when they actually got cut off in front of. Me. Yeah, because, yeah, that was a lot earlier than I thought it would happen. Yeah. Was anyone else frustrated by the conversation the yo-yos had with each other? 
I don't know if frustrated is the right word. Uh, it was, it, you, you see yourself from the future, and the future you is thinking they can't say anything different because this is what they heard the first time. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of that predestiny destiny argument, and you're just kind of marveling at it. That's the thing, though. The future yo-yo was just like, oh, but as I'm talking, I realize this is what I told you already. It's like, say something different then! <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's like, it wasn't that she was trying to maintain the timeline. She wanted to change it, and that's why I find it frustrating that right. she doesn't just choose to say something else. Like, you know, don't, you know, you know, this won't make sense to you now, but give it to Talbot! <laughs> this That goes back to the whole argument that, like, that's that's my problem whenever you see these stories like where uh oh the future is gonna happen and like in that future i saw myself and i was wearing that red shirt then don't wear a red shirt yeah uh i mean (laughs) suddenly it's changed i mean the reality is if yo-yo sincerely 100 percent believed that future was unavoidable unchanged and honestly she probably could have like committed suicide and then it can't happen she could have tried to change it so that's kind of my problem with with predestined future stories is like if it's really predestined then but they got to that later on in the second half didn't they that that one really great uh episode which i'm sure we'll talk about just to back up a little bit one again to go back to the fact that this series does a great job of callbacks is the fact that yo-yo was brought back to the same technology that brought colson back and tessa was brought back with that same method and this season did in a lot of ways did a great job of just those callbacks of i really this season did really feel like the the end like and they were trying to tie no up i agree with you no i i yeah. feel like that they wrote this season thinking it was the last season and that's why they they threw in so many references and some were to help with the story they were trying to tell but some were just references they just threw in there just because they felt like let's try and like show like the huge history we've had you know on this show so, you know mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah it, it was it was both ways but we definitely got a lot of callbacks yeah but all right, as long as nobody has anything more that they really wanted to say about the first half. All right, let's go into the second half. So they make it back, and we've got we've got quite a few changes. We've got Ruby as a new character, <laughs> our Disney Channel princess. <laughs> who I actually have absolutely yeah, no idea who Dove Cameron is, uh, but they, they hyped yeah. her. So, like, on my Facebook feed, it was, like, scroll, like, every three posts was, like, some, like, uh, Disney-related, like, uh, Facebook thing sharing, like, Dove Cameron on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm just like, who is Dove Cameron? <laughs> so I looked her up. That that whole casting, that whole casting, casting scene designed just to make me feel old <laughs> right. and not hip and weird for, for not knowing who this person was. <laughs> She's like some like Miley Cyrus, you know, uh, style Disney Channel princess is what yeah, I guess. That's your type yeah. person, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, maybe it did great things for her career, but like it did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, getting cast on the last se- the probably last season of a show that gets moved to a 10 o'clock hour. I don't know if that's great things for your career. Moved to Friday. <laughs> They moved to Friday at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like ABC just keeps trying to kill the show. And, like, I think somebody at Disney keeps saying, nope, keep it going. Yeah, I mean, how did her agent sell that to her? You you want to be on this show. It's just got moved to Friday <laughs> at 10 o'clock, the prime slot. You know? It might be one of those things, though, that she's, like, getting typecast as, like, you know, the, the teeny, uh, the teeny bopper thing and just needs to take a role that, like, got her out of that. She's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing is, everything (laughs) badass she does, she's fully clothed head to toe, so I'm pretty sure that's a stunt double. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I I was not convinced. And as far as Ruby goes, I did not care for her one little bit. I, I felt that her acting was uh, not particularly good, and the pursed lips, the con, like, I was like, did you have plastic surgery or something to make her lips just do that all the time? Because it was just really distracting, and yeah, I don't know. I didn't care. Did anybody feel differently? I'll just throw out that I was probably actually the opposite, where with Deke, I thought he was interesting, and then I just grew to like him less and less. With Ruby... Yeah, I hated her immediately, but I think as I learned more about her and her relationship with her mother, I, it's, not, it's not that I grew to like her, because that never happened, but I, I, I think maybe I did kind of sympathize with her a little bit, or, or I understood her better, or I found her a little bit more um, empathetic. Character more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I didn't... It, when she first came on, I just kind of rolled my eyes every time she was on the screen. And yeah, like you said, it seemed her, her face, it just looked like she's perpetually selfie-ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, as she did the most awkward seduction ever of oh, Hydra Boy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Why but, did you make me remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, but then again, he himself, that was kind of interesting. Again, another callback. But yeah, it, it was just, uh, I, I found her to be just her relationship with her mother. And again, she thought Destiny was being forced on her as well. I don't know. There was, there was something there. I, I'm couldn't she's gone yeah too bad so sad but uh i don't know if she stayed around a little bit longer i am really kind of worried that i would have been like oh starting to like her i'm really glad she wasn't the destroyer of worlds even though that's where i thought they were going with it was that to beat daisy she was gonna take on the power and then she was gonna be too powerful and she was gonna crack the world open and oh god i would have just that just would have been (laughs) that would have been too much yeah But I did, that was the one thing I thought was interesting, was the fact that she was, like, you see all those posters and you're like, wait, does she, like, does she, like, idolize Daisy? It's like, no, she, like, just wants to, like, beat her so badly. And so she's just kind of, you know, uh, looking, you know, looking at this person as, I just gotta, you know, know everything about them and and kill them or whatever. Destroy them. So, yeah, prove prove to my mom that I'm the best. But that's the thing, that that trope is so old, though. Like, the whole, like, I've got to please my parent by, like, being better than this person that they're telling me is actually the best, you know, kind of thing. And that's why I felt like, I don't know, I've just seen it before. I mean, maybe it's different because it's a daughter and mother instead of a father and son, but it just felt like a story that I've seen over and over again. If it was just that, I might agree, but I think... In the context of this, of the dying remains of Hydra, and you got to see this flashback of how Hydras operate all this time. They've had these camps where they're literally indoctrinating people yeah. since birth. Uh, and, and it kind of made sense. If you look at it that way, and then you go back and you watch Winter Soldier and, and the entire history of the MCU, yep. and it suddenly it just adds another layer to it. You can appreciate it all the more. I really liked the flashback episode. That was the, the, where, where it went back and showed... Uh, when Hale was was growing up and everything, mm-hmm. I that was I thought that was one of the the stronger bits that they had. Yeah, and she got a bum deal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That episode was ruined for me by the fact that it was too long ago. <laughs> they they said it was twenty eight years ago, which at which point Whitehall should have been an old man in prison. They they they, they act, that was actually a point of them doing horrible continuity where the you know you're, yeah great it was a callback to Whitehall but Whitehall didn't get de-aged until after Daisy was born which Clo- uh, Daisy's twenty five so because they in season one uh, Daisy was nineteen 
So I was like, um, that's, that's wrong. That's, (laughs) and all they need to do is just say 25 years ago on the screen instead of 28 and it would have worked and it'd be like, oh, this is Whitehall, like fresh after being rejuvenated from Daisy's mom. Well, wait, wait, wait. You say Daisy's 25. When was she 25? At the beginning of the series or in season five? Season five. Now. She was 19 in season one. She's Okay. Well, then, but wait, does that mean that Ruby was supposed to be? 25 or 20 wait no see this is where i'm having an issue here right because because hale would hale would have had ruby soon after encountering uh, Whitehall, I, right? I don't think that's necessarily true that she was impregnated like right that moment yeah i, I think that they they made it clear that that this was something that she was being prepared for that was going to happen in the future right. like hmm. like once you know she finished college right yeah because i mean i'm looking okay. at the episode description well, right now and it says 28 years ago you know, Hale was, you know, in school and, and you know, with Hydra school and doing all that. Well, uh, again, three years for Marvel continuity isn't that much. <laughs> I mean, you're also talking about Spider-Man, Homeward Bound. They screwed up by, I think, actually by three years as well. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2 screwed up on oh, five yeah. years as well. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but this is just one show that needs to keep track with itself, not keep track with other shows. So I, I, I feel like my criticism is warranted that they should be able to keep track of their own show. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with you that it's worthy mentioning, but I think it does border on nitpicking mm, a little bit. Okay, it ruined the whole flashback <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> I was okay. like, this is not possible. <laughs> oh man! But how do we get on that tangent? You had oh, to mention right, it. Oh right, right, right. So yeah, Hydra. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. I'm sick of more remnants of Hydra and being told over and over again Hydra's completely through, done, finito. We've got the last one, and then the next season, it's like, oh, but here's some more. Well, to 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 defend it, Hydra at this point has been so decimated that it's literally just Hale and a bunch of robots. Yeah. I mean, she couldn't even afford right. minions. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and they did a good point of that as well in the, in the cafeteria, where it's full and everyone's there, and then by the end of it, it's just Ruby and Coulson, you know, eating cereal in the cereal. I love Coulson's reaction to that, by the way. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, this is what we're doing? Okay, I'll just, you know. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm not going to fall for any of the, you know, like, being like, oh, come on, just talk to me, you know, kind of stuff that they wanted to get out of them. Yeah, so, so what do people think of Hale? James, what do you think of Hale? I don't know. I liked her. I thought she was... I, I thought they did the whole twist on her role fairly well. Um, I mean, it was obvious. Like, she was... Because, I, I don't know. They kept it in a way... I shouldn't say obvious. But they had kept it in a way where they left us thinking for a time that she was just kind of the new replacement for the general who had been shot previously. And so it was just like, mm, okay, yeah, she's a bit of a hard ass and very similar to that character. Okay. And then I thought they took us for a nice twist with the whole, like, oh, yeah, but she's Hydra. Which, I mean, wasn't super surprising at all. Because anytime somebody's just like, hail Hydra, it's just like, I mean, yeah, and okay. And her name was Hale, I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see that coming, hail Hydra. <laughs> she turns around every time there's a salute. What? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought she, I thought she was good overall. Though um, I really liked just the way her character kind of morphs overall. Um, I mean, by the time you get to the end, the fact that, uh, as Ryan said, I mean, she was kind of given the short end of the stick, you know, early on in her life. She was very much like put into that, like you're, you know, regardless of your capabilities, you're a woman, you're a baby maker, and that's your only purpose. Yeah, see, for I us. found her compelling, fo- her story far more compelling than Ruby's. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ruby, I just, once again, I didn't even know who the actress was. I remember sitting there and my wife hadn't watched any of this season at all. Like, she just, she's lost interest in this show. But she sees this episode where they show Ruby and she goes, who's that? And I kind of explain it. And she was like, oh. And I was like, who the hell is that actress, though? And she goes, yeah, she's some <laughs> Disney kid. And I was like, oh, don't care then. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, no, Hale's story, much more compelling. Um, I I did like kind of the mirroring they did between her story and her daughter's in the sense of like she definitely like as a mother, she still wanted more for her daughter. She wanted her daughter to have more options than she had had when she was her age. And so she, you know, really was committed. Like she thought she was doing the right thing, you know, in the sense of promoting her daughter's growth and being so much more. And the fact that like that all kind of, is taken away from her and there's like a real loss of that character like you're kind of i don't know i was kind of empathetic towards the character even though it's like she's a bad guy i still really felt for her in terms of like what she had tried to do Uh, one of the callbacks that i really liked was that like all the students had a dog yeah and so it was like oh no that wasn't just a thing that they did with ward that's like part of the indoctrination process for all hydra agents is here's your dog grow attached (laughs) now you kill it yeah yeah and I think they did a good job, of, or at least the actress who played Hill did a good job of expressing simultaneous love for Ruby and resentment for her. Yeah. It was it was marvelous to watch. Uh, she was just it was really good. And I, and like James, that twist when she pulls out the gun and just blasts away uh, the two guys who had the the two agents who had been you know trying to track Hunter and Fist down or whatever. That was a uh, like whoa! This isn't just Talbot Talbot two No, I agree. Jen, what do you think of Hale? I I, I liked her. I, I she's she's definitely a character that grew on me a lot. You know, as you said, when when she started out, she was just like a oh, hard ass military person. Yeah, we've seen a million of these, but I thought that showing a mother daughter relationship really the only one that we've explored on the show has been daisy and her mom and woo, that was yeah. messed up not like this isn't messed up too but i just i liked I, I liked the fact that we don't see a lot of those relationships explored on shows it's always the hero and their father and i thought it was it was neat seeing that twist on it and and like you guys were saying the the fact that she loves her, but she's not like a lovey-dovey nurturing mom. She she understands that this is you know she was <laughs> she was put on this this world to give birth, and you know her her military career is is secondary to Hydra. Uh, they just wanted her to make a baby. So um, I thought that with I think that with the limited amount of t- screen time that she had, that 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 they did a lot of storytelling with what they had. I think she was more dynamic and entertaining in the sense, or interesting in the sense that, unlike the true blue believers of Hydra that we've had in the, the past, the, she was like, "Hey, I'll make a deal with Shield." Yeah. Right. You know, I, I can. Yeah, she was willing to take Hydra. Now, granted, she was the last high-ranking official of Hydra until the next one, um, right. but she was willing to just acknowledge that, "Hey, maybe Hydra isn't all." Now, maybe that's just her own experiences. Unlike all the men we've seen so far who've run Hydra, none of them were forced to. Do what the things she's done. So I think she was the first one to acknowledge that maybe we're the bad guys, <laughs> and it's time to do the do the good guy thing. Right. 
Well, I mean, it's interesting in the sense that both S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA have supposedly been decimated down to just a few people. And then it's like, look, we gotta do things a different way and all of that. And so her, you know, everything that she was doing with Coulson I found really interesting also. You know, and I and I feel like how she played them with Piper, even in the beginning, by, you know, making Piper yeah. think that, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is something we got to do. We got to get our buddies. And then it's like, oh, no, this is a trap and all of that. I mean, she was smart. She was clever. She was able to, you know, reason beyond just ideology. She's a worthy adversary. Yeah. But, but then even beyond that, she was able to go beyond ideology, like Ryan was saying, and just go yeah. to, I just need to accomplish the goal. There are these aliens coming, and we got to do something about it. And let's, if that, if that means working together, we got to do this. And so, yeah, I, I found her really interesting. Um, and even, uh, who brought it up? The whole idea that she, that she loves Ruby, but at the same time is jealous of her that, that Ruby gets, gets the opportunities that she should have had, you yeah. know, kind of thing, um, you know. Again, it just made her really interesting. So I liked Hale, and I thought the actress was, you know, good as well. No Disney Channel princess there. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, let's talk about our returning cast, both minor and major. Let's just take them as pairs to kind of go quicker. Uh, Fitzsimmons this season had a lot of development. So who wants to talk about Fitzsimmons? I'll talk about Fitz. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And his bag of hair. Yeah, well, no, she's she's not she's not a dumb bag of hair. But, oh, um, I thought you called her that before. I probably have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She, well, she kind of is. But um, <laughs> now, uh, I I think that one of the things we were saying coming out of of last season was that you know, Fitz had gone through something that is kind of more horrible than than what anyone else had experienced in that he had this awful uh, conflict, and I was super excited about that because i'm like oh okay because we're gonna get to you know there's like the best actor on the show and he's gonna get to play this out and then that was another reason why i was so tuned out of the the first half of the season was because there was no fits <laughs> and i was like where is the entire person that i'm watching this for other than colson and uh so i was i was definitely i was thinking oh i guess we'll i guess they just kind of are going to forget that. And then we had the episode with him and the doctor and it was brilliant and it was awesome. And I, I have said, uh, the next time someone says, why would you spend a lot of money on a tailored suit? I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. let me show you this. <laughs> this is why. And I thought that that the way that episode was handled was brilliant. Simmons, you know, she, she annoyed me a lot less in the in the second half than, than she did when she was high priestess of the the whatever <laughs> in the in the first half. She was useful and she was smart and I I didn't really have any issues with her this time around. But Fitz is is my boy and I just want a Fitz spin-off because that would be awesome. Okay. Yeah, that episode because they they set it up so well that they yes. had this oh this portal to the fear dimension and your fears get manifested as physical things. So you yep. think oh well somebody you know is thinking of the doctor and and he manifested and only to find out that oh no Fitz just had a psychotic break. Yep. <laughs> And there's two people. I mean, and the whole thing of of you know when they're like Fitz, you're the one holding the knife. 
you know, yeah. and just like the whole reveal of that was beautiful. I mean, it was almost, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, they're so good in this show of doing this and they haven't done it for a while, but it's like in season two when it began and he was talking with Gemma. Yes. And then you see that, oh, actually Gemma's not there at all. And Fitz just yeah. has, he, he just has Gemma in his head that, yeah. that he's talking to. And it was so sad then. And now it's just terrifying. But Fitz is damaged, yeah, on so many levels. But then I think that's why a lot of people love him. Yeah, so Ryan, what did you think of Fitzsimmons this season? Well, I mean, I feel like I'm a perpetual Simmons defender. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I do think she, and I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that I can't quite remember. I'm trying to Google it like crazy, but I think she had one of the best one-liners this entire season. Where it was when they were in the future, and she was like, "Oh, let me just build a time machine for you, real quick." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, ah, "That's gonna bug me that I can't." If I find that line, I'm gonna mention it. But I feel like I don't know. The f- separating them, I think, worked for her because it did give her a chance to show her own strength. She was a prisoner, but at the same time, she was actively engaged in trying to get her own freedom, and she wasn't just waiting to be saved. Which, I honestly, I'd expect nothing less from this show. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think we've established at this point in time that Fitz is going to be awesome. And uh, Simmons has always been a little bit in his shadow. And I know people like, oh, break them up, kill her, or whatever. Yes. But I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can have Fitz with that, Simmons. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I'm totally fine with having a married couple or, or a couple who are happy. Why not just once have a show where you don't have the sexual attention, the will they, won't they, but you just have a perfectly functional couple who are individuals, but together. And I think that they're doing a decent job of getting there with these two. Well, except for the fact that he's dead now. But he's not. Right, but the version that they're going to find is not married to her. Well, the version that they're going to find is three months younger right. than the version. Right, but you know what's going to set up. It's going to set up the, oh, well, now my Fitz is dead, and so I feel weird about marrying the other Fitz as if he's just a replacement, and it's going to be Dorama. I don't know. I mean, I maybe, but then I've still half been expecting Gemma to be a Hydra brainwashed spy since season two. Well, so. yeah, see, I mean, the, the ship's already <laughs> sailed on that. If they wanted to, ca- I, no, know. I wanted that too because I thought that you know when she was supposed to be undercover with Hydra, like Hydra knew, and so then they brainwashed yeah. her and sent her back. But they would have, they would have, you know, they would have, would have happened, right? Now. Yeah, they would have uh, triggered I her. I want to throw in though that that after the episode with uh, with his psychotic break. And they were they were teasing that there was like a new person that Hale was reporting to, and my theory at the time was that she was reporting to Fitz mm. because they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, no, she had him as as a captive for six months, but he had this other personality in there, and his other personality could have basically taken over Hydra during that that six months that he was he was in prison. And I was, I was, I, I was like, that would have been cool, and I'm disappointed that wasn't what they did. I feel like I should bring up the, that even though I loved seeing Bobby or uh, Hunter, I would have loved having Bobby and yeah. Hunter even more. Oh. And 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 the fact of the matter is, both Orville and Agents of Shield are now shorter seasons, and so I feel like she could flex between both shows if they tried. I'd really love to have them back in season six, even if it's just for an episode. Yeah. Anyway, we're still talking about Fitz. <laughs> but here's the thing, and here's the thing that really pissed me off. I was gut-wrenched when he died, and I should have seen coming yes. what they said, but I was like, oh my god, there was a death. It just wasn't the death yeah. we were expecting. And, it wasn't Mac. <laughs> but yeah, but then it's like, 
oh, well, you know, Gemma's going to be, you know, Coulson's going to miss when we pick up Fitz. And then I realized, oh, crap, there's another Fitz. You know, (laughs) the one that went into suspended animation and hasn't arrived in the future yet. And to me, that whole thing of, gotcha, we got a spare Fitz was so ridiculous (laughs) and so stupid that I'm just mad. You know, I I just, I don't know. I, I felt like it was a jerking of emotions just for the sake of it and was not and doesn't move the story at all. But on the other hand, you have to realize it is completely, absolutely necessary that they go and save Frozen and Space Fits. Otherwise, he may never wake up. The future that he's going to no longer exists. Right. So if you think think about it from a logical context, they were going to have to do something with that, even if the no. other Fits lived. No, there's no reason they had to do anything. He could wake yes. up in 100 years to a completely different future. If someone was there to wake him up. Well, yeah, but, Enoch I mean, was still with him. And his people Enoch would still be there, but but would he wake him up? I don't know. That's my that's my whole point. Well, that but it's no just a loose end. Then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> we have a spare fits. Yeah, freaking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really despise when TV shows do this kind of tactic, where where like there there is no there's there no, is consequence. no permadeath. Yeah, like I I agree with you, Nathan. I think I would have I think it would have been much more selling, even though truly heartbreaking if it had been permadead like that's it that's the end because they've already talked about the fact like this next season most likely will be the last season that they end up doing just because they haven't had like the viewership which makes me curious like what the hell are you guys gonna do (laughs) besides go find simmons who's floating somewhere in space (laughs) so yeah well i was terrified i thought for sure mac was dying this season you know, yeah. I was like, they're going to figure out how to save Coulson because they're not going to let Coulson die. But Mac is going to be the one who dies. And that's going to be the permadeath. And then when it was Fitz instead of Mac, I was like, what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's not how this is supposed to go. But then, yeah, they had a spare fit. So then it was like, well, geez, now nobody died. You know, I felt like with as big as the storyline was, one of the main cast had to die as part of it to fix the future. And nobody died in the main cast. And it felt like it was a mega happy ending, and it felt too too much. I don't know. I felt like there had to be cost. Let's put it that way. Clark hasn't... I mean, I, I, I cannot believe that they're not going to find a way to bring uh, Coulson back. Oh, yeah. He didn't die at the end of the season. I'm pretty sure next season will be... Get, like, he's directing the first episode of the season, they said. So yep. probably Coulson won't be in the first episode or maybe just have a cameo at the end. But second episode, I bet you money they'll have a cure. And it'll, as he's dying, they'll administer the cure. And, it'll, and he'll be back. probably right. But all of the cast pictures that they have put out so far do not have him in it. Yeah, I think they're just trying to tease us. But yeah, I, I cannot believe they would do this show without him. No. It's going to be the same as, and I know you don't watch these shows, but it's going to be like the, Barry's trapped in the Speed Force in The Flash, oh, and it was yeah. one episode. Or you're not even that, yeah. half an episode. He was trapped in the Speed Force, and then the first half of that season, like the, the second half of that first episode, oh, we got him out. No, no, it won't be. I mean, yes, he'll be back eventually, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is better than that. <laughs> All right, you heard it here, folks. If <laughs> Ryan has put himself out there saying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is better than this. Then, then, then Flash coming back in the first episode? <laughs> yes, yes. Send your well, hate I mean, mail to long- <laughs> Ryan at GeekStranger.com. Uh, how long was uh, Fitz not around for? Four uh, episodes. Y- yeah, exactly. They're, they play a longer game. Well, I'm still curious, though, if the actor had some obligation where they had to write him out 
and that's what was going on there. I'm not sure that that was deliberate. I think that might have been just um, he he had something going on. Well, he was after after he. Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't start filming his stuff for Captain Marvel until yeah. after Agents of Shield wrapped. But you know, maybe he needs to be available for reshoots yeah. or who knows what while Agents of Shield is filming. So yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's Fitzsimmons. I felt like making that what the 100th episode was about because I really don't care about them getting married. <laughs> was kind of yeah. like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was expecting something more out of that 100th episode. I was certainly expecting to see Ward and was kind of shocked that I didn't see him. Yeah, But he might have had obli. I mean, he might have been doing something that they, they might have wanted him and he couldn't do it. Well, again, this is where like real life interferes because when you think about, oh, we, we live in a lighthouse where our greatest fears come to life. And yeah, it was great seeing Lash and, and a few of the others. But I mean, how do you not see Ward and how do you not see Loki? Right. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. And I was just, and the other thing that disappointed me so much about that 100th episode, because great callback having J. August Richards and then even having yeah. Deathlock show up at the end. And even and even a more meta callback with you know using Joss Whedon's whole reasoning that Agents of Shield is just Coulson's fever dream as he's dying yeah. <laughs> as the thing that the fear is arguing with Coulson is no this is just your fever dream as you're dying yes. kind of thing and I was like oh wow they're getting really meta but <laughs> I I don't want Deathlock in that show unless you're gonna just bring Deathlock back in the show because he's a character that I've wanted them to revisit and make a regular yeah. or do a spinoff show with since season one and they've done neither and it was just like oh here hi guys i grabbed some agents there were still a few around and uh but and i'm gonna leave <laughs> what just <laughs> luck out <laughs> if you saw the need that they needed more personnel why wouldn't you stay with all your abilities and everything to help out too you know it's like world ending stuff we're dealing with here pal can you please lend a hand you know oh, he's got to pick up his kid nathan right. i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> I gotta figure at this point he's got, like, people to, like, take care of the kid, like, when he's doing stuff, but maybe not. Alright, so, let's talk May and, uh, oh no, let's talk Mac and uh, Yo-Yo. Ryan, what do you think of the uh, Mac and Yo-Yo dynamic this season? Well, okay, I love Mac. Mac is the moral center of the team, yes. and... Uh, I, I was so happy that he was the one that ended up being Coulson's yes. replacement instead of Daisy, because yes. it was so ludicrous. Yes. Like, oh, I'll have this 25-year-old, like, take over S.H.I.E.L.D., because I just love her so much. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but practically, she's not as trained as any of these people. Uh, yeah, you know, the way I, I, I describe Mac is he's the uh, dark version of Steve Rogers in the sense that, oh, look, he's you know, has a gun with an axe on it, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's the best, you know, <laughs> and I, I really grew to hate Yo-Yo uh, in the second half of this season, um, not to the actress, not necessarily the character, but what she was doing, and, and that's because what she was doing made so much sense, and I got, it, it worked perfect, and it, it was breaking my heart because she was breaking Mac's heart. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to, uh, there needed to be more consequences, I felt, regarding her. Her her, and that one episode, though, where she tricked, tricked Mac and they locked him up. Yep. And oh, that, I was on the edge of my seat, literally on that, the edge of my seat. That was a great episode, yeah. Yeah, it really was. But uh, I don't know, I, I want there to be, I, I, the way that people feel about Fitz and, and Simmons is kind of the way I feel about Mac and Yo-Yo. In the sense that Yo-Yo is fine, but give me more Mac. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that they couldn't just graft cybernetic arms on her and make them work with her powers. 
So it's like, yeah. you can still run really fast, but your arms aren't moving at super speed, or it's going to, like, tear you apart kind of thing. So I, 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 I appreciated that they went into that level of detail. But And I was also grateful, because I thought for sure when she came back from the future, it was going to be like she was going to in some way sabotage things to, like, try and kill off Coulson. You know, because it's like, oh, well, I saw this future. And then end up creating the scenario that causes the bad thing to happen by trying to, like, yeah. change the one thing she knew. is like, oh, we need to let Coulson die. And so it's like, I was really glad they didn't go there because I thought that's where it was going to go is that she would just get to a point where she was just like, we got to kill Coulson. And that was not going to be okay. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I am glad that the writers give the characters more credit than that and don't do these stupid, ridiculous tropes. Yes. And James, what did you think of Mac and Yo-Yo? Uh, I, I've always liked Mac and Yo-Yo. I thought, I don't know. I, I was kind of back and forth with how I felt with like this season in terms of their interaction. Cause I mean, what I love about Mac is Mac has always been a man of his morals period. Like there's right. There's wrong. There's no in between like that. And, and we get to see this weird kind of juxtaposition with Yo-Yo where, you know, she she similarly to like Simmons becomes very like they're very obsessed with like, but we know the future. So I'm invincible and I can do anything. And he's still very much like, I don't care about that. It's not right what you want to do. So I do I do always appreciate the fact that with Mac, like they always have him sticking to his guns. It's very rare that you ever see that character waffle on his beliefs with how they deal with things. I mean, we even see him at a point where he's kind of ready to walk away from it all, you know, and, and he's still like a part of it because I think he is that balance like that the team really needs. So Yo-Yo, I I don't know. I, I was back and forth with the character all throughout the, the season. Because there was, there was that horrible conversation between her and herself. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is grueling. Why? Why is this even happening? We've seen how Barry Allen deals with these things. It doesn't end well. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was, it was okay. Um, I mean, I think, I just don't know where they're at at this point in terms of like, how those two characters move forward as ryan said like i always want more mac like i always want to see more mac because i think the way they ended with him being kind of in charge of things i think it's the best option um anytime they've chosen that option where it's just like mac should make our decisions the unfortunate thing is he is in charge of a bunch of people who are super insubordinate and never listen to who's in charge. So it's like Mac will make the good choices and none of you will listen. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I understand that it's the relationship of a guy who's very hopeful with someone who's very cynical, but I think that that works. And I think that, Mac and Yo-Yo make a decent couple just because of that dynamic. So I actually like the two of them together. I but but it's it's probably true that I like it more for Mac that Mac has someone who's in love with him. You know that I care about Yo-Yo and and that Yo-Yo has well, fulfillment with Mac. But you know you know I I think that shows the difference between Fitz and Mac. Where Fitz is more interesting the more miserable he is, whereas Mac is more entertaining the happier he is. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Mac being the hopeful one in the group, you know, I mean, that's that's what he brings to it, and he's the he's the guy that, you know, that believes that things will be better, and that they just have to try, and that they can't cross yeah. certain moral lines and stuff like that, whereas everybody else has some shade of gray, 
you know. And right. so, yeah, I like the li- I th- I like the comparison to Captain America, except just with a with a gun axe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think Ryan mentioned something something that kind of ties into what I've always thought was interesting is Mac's specific relationship to Fitz. The fact that, again, as said, like we love Fitz, the more miserable he is because he gets more complex and interesting. And Mac is the opposite. Like the better off he is, the the more co- you know complex that character is and more interesting. And the great thing is that the two of them together are exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love the relationship. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic, yeah. even though they're like polar opposites to each other. And I think that's what makes them balance out so well is the fact that like Fitz is like, no, that's total. That's total. Shit. It'll never work. We can't do that. And Mac is just like, hey, man, you just need to have a little faith and we'll get there. <laughs> and so he's just like, it's just like you. You're the yin to his yang. Like, yeah. this just is beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, in season two, I, I was so mad that everybody was down on Fitz. So Fitz is useless now. You know, we just keep him around because, you know, we, we care about him, you know, mm-hmm. but but we, we don't. And Mac's just like, oh, no, you just need to understand how he talks and stuff. You know, it's like Mac actually took the time. You know, he yep, actually yeah. figured out how Fitz is working now and, and you know, and, and figured out like, oh, you know, you got to take some of these ideas that he's saying and... You know, you you gotta you gotta help him yeah. out a little bit, but then he's still coming up with the brilliant ideas. You just gotta assist him a little bit on the way, and you know yeah. that that was great, and that endeared me to Max so much, and I have just stayed with him ever since. So you're gonna say season two, Mac was the Fitz whisperer, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jen, what do you think of Mac and Yo Yo? I agree with what everybody's been saying in terms of I, I love Mac. I love his pop culture references. I love his shotgun axe. And Yo-Yo, I like. I think that it was a bold choice this season to have the team in disagreement about what to do and some people really not happy with her. And yeah, I thought that was that was very, very interesting. And yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to see how how she interacts with people going forward. I was uh, actually, in, uh, another thing that I really liked is that, you know, typically when you're going to do like a, a story about uh, disability with powered individuals, it's just you take away their powers. And then it's right. like, oh, I'm just like a normal human now, boo-hoo. But they actually have now done, you know, they're now doing a storyline with Yo-Yo where it's disability with a powered person, but it's it's completely different. You know, she's a, yeah. you know, I mean, she, she lost two of her arms. She's a paraplegic. You know, I don't know if that's the correct term if you've lost your arm, but either way, it's she has she doesn't have the use of two of her limbs, and th- that made it interesting to me that she's dealing with a real problem that real people can can experience. Even though she can still run fast, you know, she doesn't have the use of her arms, and even with the cybernetic arms, it doesn't it doesn't bring her back to where she was. They get credit for that when when she said she was asking um, Coulson, "Will they ever feel or something like that?" And he's like, "No, you'll never feel with them again." And that I think that we've kind of had this feeling, like especially with Agents of Shield, but you also have it now with uh, the Defenders. That oh, you've got a cybernetic arm, you're good as rain. You know, but no, I mean the, the technology in these shows is ahead of us, but it's not. But it's not there. perfect. Yes, exactly. So it's a prosthetic, just like any other. Pr- it's just a better prosthetic than you yeah. can get, you know, in the real world. Kick-ass prosthetic, but yeah, right? So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I mean, I liked the idea of Yo-Yo having to deal with that, but yeah, with some of the other stuff with her not telling anyone what she heard in the future, you know, keeping that to herself, and then sort of plotting behind everybody else's back and stuff like that. It's kind of, uh... and then we have Man Coulson. So uh, Ryan, thoughts on Man Coulson? 
Well, I, I got to admit, defeatist Coulson was a little annoying. You know, it's like, oh, I'm ready to die. I had my second chance or whatever. Shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but see, but that's the thing, though. I mean, I don't think that it was defeatist. He was just basically saying, don't waste any time or effort on the on this. And time and effort. Don't don't waste any time and effort to save a person you love. You know? well, <laughs> I get your point. But at the same time, I think that he was trying to prioritize like everyone else's life which was noble rather than you know being like yes let's 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 no. work on me right now i mean he took it past no i agree if it was a matter of you know save the world or save me save the world but uh, colson took it past that to to a, a martyrdom complex almost and and they really that's my only complaint about colson this entire season otherwise colson was colson and he was awesome and i do again another callback the fact that it was this old wound it was there the original thing that was killing him uh it, it had come back you know for reasons but i feel like honestly we got like a thousand percent more growth with May uh, than we did uh, with Coulson, or maybe even any other character. Some of it was pro- was brought on by real life circumstances. The actress was injured, but a lot of it was also, I think, just a realization that they need to, for practical reasons, as much as anything, take May in a different direction in the future if this is going to continue. She can still kick ass, but you know, let's just like anyone else. I mean. It, with the exception, apparently, of Tom Cruise, uh, when you get older, you have to dial it down a bit, you know? <laughs> well, he broke his leg re- on making the Mission Impossible That's movie, true. too, so yeah. he, he's reaching Maybe his not. limit. <laughs> Maybe not even Tom Cruise, you know? But yeah, so I, I think they're trying to find a direction, and sure, part of that is as love interest with Coulson, and Coulson has a love interest for her, but also part of it is just she's taking more of a, of a not leadership necessarily, but a Mentoring. teacher. Yeah, mentor. Yeah, mentor role in the team. We mentioned earlier, and I didn't get even pick up on it, but we mentioned earlier about mothers and daughters in this season. Yes, and May was as was in on this theme as well. It wasn't just you know Hale and Ruby, but it's also May and Robin, and uh, potentially becoming you know foster mother and child. And it just I don't know. And and it's very real way. May is also the mother for the entire team. I just I, I loved what they did with May this season. Uh, yeah, I thought for sure Robin's mom was going to die anyway, and that May would end up having to take care of Robin, and that was going to be like the through, like, oh, we fixed the world, but May's still going to end up being Robin's mother. Um, mm-hmm. And I was a little surprised that they didn't go that route, but they probably felt that if this had been canceled, that, you know, it was kind of like a dark place to leave things with, you yeah. know, May with this, you know, <laughs> this girl that, you know, she has to take care of who just traumatized. And Coulson's gonna die. Right, so, Coulson's you know. gonna die. Yeah, that's true. They also wanted to leave it there with them having their romantic, uh, you know, final holiday. But yeah, no, because the thing is, you know, I used to think like, oh yeah, if Coulson ever dies, May would take over. But you think about it, May just doesn't have the people skills to be a good leader. <laughs> she has the practical skills. She has the strategic skills and and that kind of thing. But right. you know, one of these things that I've learned from you know being you know from from working you know in industry is that you know being technically competent and being like very good at what you do does not mean that you're going to be a very good supervisor or manager of people doing that thing. You know, Fair. it's <laughs> as as a shield leader, May makes a great Hydra leader. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because that is all about results. You know, it's very yeah. results focused. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. So I think that having Mac take on that role while May takes on more of a mentoring role is uh, is probably a better fit. But yeah. So, um, Jen, what do you think about May and, and Colson's journeys uh, this season? 
So I, I am not a Felinda shipper. <laughs> I, I am not. I am not a shipper generally. And so, as as it you know, as it was set up last season, I was just kind of bracing myself, going, "Oh God, don't, 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 oh, please don't! No, this is going to be terrible." They really surprised me because I was amazed that when it got to the kiss, I was cheering for them. I was like, "Yes, this is awesome!" <laughs> And, and that was a very big surprise to me. But they, because I really didn't think they could make a romantic May mesh with the May that we have seen so far. Yeah. But they did it. And I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. All right. James, what did you think? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, have you had a little uh, too much to drink, James? <laughs> maybe. May maybe and Colson. I don't know. Like, it was always. Like, for a long time now, it's always been, like, that awkward tension of it, which was fine. No, it was not fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I liked, I always liked that it was, like, under the, like, just under the surface. For me, it was never something that it was just like, oh, I feel like they should capitalize on it at some point, And, like, that should just happen. I never felt that way. I, I always just kind of liked the fact that it was there, it was unspoken. Um, but you knew that they cared about each other, and and because of that, like they would always have each other's backs. And May, I like the fact that she's always been like the grounding for Coulson. Like anytime he gets too ostentatious with like his plans, she's just like, "Phil, no, right. that, that doesn't work." <laughs> yes, but simultaneously, like he is her balance as well, and being like, "You can't just go in there and punch your way through everything, May." And she's like, "Watch me," and right. does it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I've always liked that, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't as big as, I guess, like, when we first, when we finally see, like, Fitz and Simmons, like, finally, like, they've come together, and they're there, and they're a couple, and they go, you know, miserable happens to us all the time, but we'll always hold strong. And I felt like it was kind of something along those lines, but not so much. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't care for for it like i said like as direct as it was and the fact that like that's the ending note is you know they kind of s- literally sail off into the sunset kind of thing they go to tahiti island. that was what was perfect i know yeah. i did i did like that i it's, did like it's the a fact metaphor that, like... james it's a metaphor <laughs> it's like I it's like Frodo the sailing off at the end of lord of the rings okay <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's going to the undying land. It's going to the magical place. <laughs> so so that's where the elves went. They went to right. Tahiti. Yes, they went to got Tahiti. it now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's Valinor. <laughs> they sailed to Tahiti, and they still couldn't finish watching the entire trilogy before they got there. <laughs> Extended guts. Extended guts. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with uh, Jen on this one, because I, I have found the May Coulson stuff ranging from creepy to I don't care in previous seasons. Like, in season one, when she and Ward were together, and then having scenes where she and Coulson are just a little too close to each other, I was like, oh god, don't turn this into a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, they didn't go that way, but it, it looked like they were at one point in season one. Then her husband was back, and then it was weird because of that. And then it just it kept going from weird to weird. And then I didn't care. And, and she was a robot. Yeah, and she was a robot. <laughs> then yeah, Mahindra was a spider. Oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> anyway. There was a cellist at one point, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> but, uh, yo, this season sold it. And I liked the dynamic. I liked 
her dynamic with the fatalistic Coulson, you know, and I liked just how they developed it this season, that it went from this sort of understated thing, and just how broken she was at the idea that Coulson was just going to accept his death. And whatever else, and I think that might have been what sold it, we know how close of friends they are, and they've been selling that for four seasons prior to this. And just the fact that, you know, that death would be the finality, and then all the potential of, of their relationship going forward would be gone after that. And the fact that she just wanted to leave nothing, like, undone, like, have no regrets kind of thing. And I think that that's what what made that work. And so, yeah, no, like you, Jen, I was I was happy when they finally got around to it. <laughs> and I even felt if that was the end of the series, was them being in Tahiti. That, that, that would have been okay. Yeah, that, that would yeah. have been okay. Now, the fact that it's not the end of the series, Coulson better live, damn it. <laughs> you cannot do 13 episodes without Coulson. It's just, it's just not right. It's, no, no. All right, so we're getting close to the end. Daisy and Deke, season or second half Deke, of course. So, so James, Zima Deke. Yeah, yeah. So James, uh, are you a Zima drinker? <laughs> so you want to know what's really funny? What? I think right about the time that that Deke discovers Zima, <laughs> they did a new promotion where Zima re like they re released right. bottled Zima at the stores. I had never had it at that point, so I was like. Why not? I'll go buy a six pack. And I immediately regretted that entire choice about a drink into it because I was like, oh, this is horrible. That reaction is why they discontinued it in the first place. (laughs) So so doing that and then watching these episode, this episode where where Deke's just like, oh, my God. I'm like, no, no. Like, maybe me in my 20s would have agreed with you. But now, God, no. What is wrong with you? You've got to realize he's been drinking recycled urine his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So anything would have tasted like the most wonderful thing ever. Right? Like, Zima would be magic. (laughs) I mean, he's been drinking Budweiser is what you've been saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, part two, Deke, uh, I don't know. I didn't have any love loss for him, even after part one, Deke. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. At the point that it's just like, he just vanishes. I was just like, well, thank God for that. <laughs> so, I thought for sure it was so that he could have a romance with Daisy, but then that didn't happen either. And I was like, so wh- why did he get come back? He's not there for the final battle. I thought maybe he was going to end up being the thing that changes something, but no. That that wasn't it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, what about Daisy? Any any thoughts on Daisy this season? I I don't know. I like Daisy. I liked the fact that throughout the whole season, like I mean, you know, in in part one, she's very much like I'm the destroyer of worlds. I don't want to do that, and that got a little annoying, especially after like I don't know the tenth time that she was just like, <laughs> but I'm the destroyer of worlds, and I don't want to do anything. I was just like, okay, I mean, but you could, like, that won't destroy the world, I'm fairly certain. So, I don't know. Like, it was a little little annoying to me in the first half. The second half, I really did, like, kind of where she, you know, she very much comes into her own, uh, you know, in that juxtaposition to Coulson, where Coulson's like, no, but you're it! You're the future! And she's just like, I don't want to be the damn future. Like, I just want to be me and like even I did, like, she realizes mac would be a better leader than she would be why can't colson <laughs> like it should be that guy and colson's like but no it's you <laughs> so he it's you I, I Mary Sue. I, <laughs> oh. 
So I did I did like her evolution. I did like the the finisher in the season where you know we we got like a fairly decent like superpower fight. Yeah. Um which was kind of nice to see. I mean, we always see her as Quake using her powers and whatnot. Uh, but we're very used to it and it's very like mitigated. Like we never see how far Daisy can go, like how far she can push. And you know, being able to see, you know, superhero fight. It was really good. Like I thought, you know, even with a low budget, like they accomplished it pretty well. And so it was nice to see kind of that extra to Daisy. It'll be interesting to see if they really capitalize on that in the next season. Um, if they'll continue using that momentum of like, she's actually quite powerful, folks. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked her in the second half more than I probably liked her in the first half. Hmm. Okay. And Ryan, what did you think of uh, Daisy and Deke? Well, I mean, Deke was basically comic relief for the second half of the season. And I... <sighs> You know, I do enjoy a fish out of water story, and and the way that they were hazing him was great, and the way that Fitz just refused to accept that <laughs> this was his grandson. It, it had moments. Uh, he had moments. I, I won't disagree with that, but I don't really see him and Daisy being a couple or that lasting. I mean, I can see them trying, but it's it, it, there's nothing permanent. There, there's they're operating on two different levels. But you know, her taste in men is really awful. So yeah. you know, I can believe <laughs> that it could happen. I mean, I did like seeing Daisy step up in the leadership role in the second half of the season. You know, uh, Coulson was gone, and she had to make some decisions, and she made some right ones, and she made some wrong ones, and she got a taste of it. And yeah, maybe she is the future someday but today isn't that day right. let her get a, a little bit more seasoned if she is only what so if she, if she's only 25 let's let her at least get to 30 right and then we'll revisit it you know well i know that's the whole thing i'm thinking it's like the youngest person and least experienced person is the person you're putting in charge it makes no sense yeah but anyway i guess she has the potential but let's get her some real world practical experience at it on you know before before giving her the keys what you mean being a magic hacker doesn't like make you qualified (laughs) to lead a you know a secret organization well if not that then at least being able to quake or having 17 different names or yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh jen what did you think of uh i i I know neither is your favorite character but what did you think of deacon daisy This, this this is true but that said Daisy was actually pretty awesome in, in, in the second half of this season. She was, you know, going out and getting stuff done and was, I, I think she was in, in better form than, than she has been in the rest of the series. She didn't annoy me at all the second half of the season. And Deke was relegated to, like, comic relief, basically, rather, rather than trying to be this morally gray you know, a low-rent version of Star-Lord, he, he was just the guy to there to make jokes about Zima. And that worked for me. And and his whole courting of Daisy was so, so sad, but so completely real. And I have seen that so many times. And so I, I had a lot of empathy there. I thought that the whole revelation about him being related to Fitzsimmons was kind of a, what? But whatever that's okay yeah i I, one of my friends was like he should be like daisy's grandkid or something (laughs) i'm like that wouldn't work 
because <laughs> she died, so it wouldn't work anyway. But yeah, no, I uh, I agree about Daisy, especially after they got after the because see, she's the one that I feel like went like totally fatalistic in the first half of the season. Was just like, yeah. oh, leave me here to die. I don't want exactly. to be the destroyer of worlds, you know. <laughs> Her and the Destroyer of Worlds was was like you know uh, I am I am Iron Fist you know the <laughs> the immortal Iron Fist defender of Kunlun you know sworn enemy of the hand yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just get I, a tattoo we would it'd be faster <laughs> yeah I mean she stepped up here her her quest to make sure that Coulson didn't die was good. I, I liked that she stepped up in that way that she was like, which is funny because she was the one who was going to die herself, you know, like, oh, leave me to the future. Yeah. But yeah, she wouldn't accept that. And, you know, I liked that with her and the Talbot fight was really well done. And yeah, Deke, like everybody's been saying, I liked him a lot better in the second half of the season. The thing with, hey, like you leave lemons for like the women, you, the woman you like, right? Yes, that's exactly what we do. <laughs> 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 And yes, I, I, and, and it seems sad that I only like Deke for the way others react to him, but yes, the Fitz thing where he's like, but he's an idiot, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. he can't be my grandchild, you know, whereas Gemma's just like, oh, this is wonderful. That means that we're going to have a kid, you know, all this. And Gemma thinks it's like the greatest thing in the world. And Fitz is just like, he's like what face palming. It's just like, <laughs> what, what's wrong with me genetically that Deke <laughs> can come for me? <laughs> but yeah unfortunately that one like i saw speculation on the internet before that episode and i still don't know how anyone guessed that but yeah that that was something i saw so it wasn't a complete surprise to me um when they when they revealed that because i it was an idea that i had already seen people throwing around but yeah i mean we are running long of course but uh we would be totally remiss if we did not mention talbot thank you oh yeah. god yes <laughs> Frying man showed up. Oh and... my god! <laughs> and, and he was actually frying too. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, my problem with it was that you don't. I mean, I don't know if you've got a bullet go straight through your head, you know, like through your skull, like from one end of your brain out the other. Can you really be as well as he was? I mean, I, I don't yeah. know because I'm not a surgeon. Stage, man. Thank I mean, you. It's possible. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it changes your personality dramatically. You know. But yeah, yeah. The brain can, like, rewire itself. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know, but a bullet. I mean, that, that does a lot of damage, going from one end of your head through the other. Do you know the story about Phineas Gage who had a railroad spike yeah. through his brain? Oh, okay. It's a true story. Yeah, it, it really happened. But a bullet gets bigger, it expands as it's going through. Okay. A railroad. <laughs> I know, but it right. stays really the same awesome. width the whole way through. The bullet... <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like it would take out the whole half of your brain in the back. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, so, uh, so yeah, surprised me a lot when he showed up. Because, yeah, like everybody else, I thought Hale was the new Talbot. I was like, oh, yeah, we're not. Talbot showed up on Supergirl as, as a different yeah. guy. And so I was like, oh, he, he moved shows because he's, you know, he's effectively dead now, uh, brain dead. But nope, then he showed up. And I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. You know, I mean, obviously he has, he's got problems because of it, but I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Oh, okay, he's he's getting a little, you know, I mean, he's just like kind of uh, eccentric, I guess now um, because of the brain damage. But th then it got then it got a lot darker. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah, I thought they were going to go the same way they did with Fitz, where oh, he's had a you know a catastrophic event, but he can come back from it. And honestly, and I mentioned this on Facebook when they first rescued Talbot, and you got to see this different side of him. 
the, almost a vulnerability to him, but also yeah. kind of a manicness. And all credit to Adrian Pazdar. But I even thought for one moment that if they, if Coulson was going to leave, if they were going to kill him, I could almost see this Talbot. It'd yeah. be a big departure, but I could see him stepping in and leading the team. And then, of course, it went way over <laughs> into a different direction. But yeah. <laughs> They also did like the uh, the Faustus thing on him and had him like compliance will be rewarded yeah. and everything else. So it's like not only did he have brain damage, he was brainwashed. Well, yeah. so it was Coulson to an extent, you know. It's a magical place. <laughs> right, no, that's true. It's true. But uh yeah, I mean and then the scene with him and Robin. Yeah. And it's like oh. I was really wor- I was worried that he was gonna be the one that murdered the mother. Like, oh, that's why Robin didn't have a mother. Exactly. And well, then they had to take was, over yeah. was that yeah, I thought Talbot would kill it was gonna kill her and take the girl. And yeah. <laughs> so it, it got dark. James, what do you think about Talbot? I liked it. I mean, part of my problem with Talbot is anytime I see him, all I can ever think about is heroes. And yes. I'm like, you're a Petrelli. So, no, I really like the actor in general. I think he I think he plays Talbot really well, um, you know, from the very get go. Uh, I mean, I've seen him play similar roles and stuff, and he just does well, I think, in that particular setting. So I did like Talbot. I like the whole kind of crazy like out of his mind but like fighting for his mind like fighting for his sanity kind of thing i really enjoyed that juxtaposition especially like once he was in with what's her name the hydra lady and everything yeah the fact that hail there we go yeah that's right that's right (laughs) so i've drank a few so (laughs) (laughs) and i'm on an energy drink so i'm like woo. you're about like talbot now (laughs) <laughs> exactly like i'm a little out of my mind and fighting for my sanity at the same time. <laughs> i thought he was i thought the fact that like he is so he's so broken that he's unaware of like how broken he is to a degree i thought that was really well played i like the way that once he kind of comes into this power and this duty of responsibility and he kind of finds himself again he finds a purpose you know, with what he wants to do as a superhero, he's very well committed to, like, the cause of what he's doing. Like, he believes what he's doing is the right thing, that he's doing what's best for everyone, and that he is the one thing that could, you know, take on this evil coming to the world, which had me questioning the whole time, going, but could he take Thanos? I mean, like, could <laughs> he actually take Thanos? So I, I really enjoyed that we just got all these different levels of the character in just this season, as opposed to, Oh, he's just the guy who's kind of a pain in the ass for Colson, but Colson is also a pain in the ass for him. Like we got beyond that. And that was really nice. So it feels awkward to me that there were two aliens coming to earth on the same day, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, they're, schedules got got mixed right you you don't understand nathan the alignment was just as perfect it won't be that way again for another century oh okay yes (laughs) yes i see what you did there (laughs) but yeah i mean the interesting thing was that you know ruby was driven insane when she only got 10 percent of the gravitonium but like talbot seemed to like quiet down and become more self-confident when he absorbed the rest of the gravitonium and had the two guys, like, warring in his head. Which was another great callback, because I've been wondering for four years what the heck happened both, A, to that Gravitonium, and to yeah. that, that rich guy. 
you know, that yeah. had the gravitonium and, and that, that was whole, a great callback. Yeah, that great yes. callback with, with him and Flowers in the truck. Yep. And showing yeah. what happened, uh, that was great. And I love seeing flowers again too. But yeah, so so it was just interesting that he became like more self confident. He he's still crazy, you know. Still had you know anger management issues, especially and sort of paranoia and uh, and a god complex. But you know, it was a different kind of thing. It was no longer the vulnerability or you know the outright sort of mania, you know, going on. So it was it was interesting, you know, how they did that. Jen, what did you think of Talbot? I have been a very big fan of of dad joke Talbot, and <laughs> that Adrian Pastar is so good about passionately delivering lines that are ridiculous. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the behind the scenes thing of of, of one time when uh, when Talbot was was yelling at Daisy, and they kept having to reshoot it because she kept bursting out laughing. <laughs> But I, I, I always loved that side of Talbot. I thought they were doing something really interesting with bringing him back with, with brain damage and stuff. But it, that, that's one of the things that, that I think this show does so well, that the, the writers understand the actors that they're working with and are able to write things that really let them shine. You know, I've said that again and again with, with, with Fitz and also with Coulson, the way that they give them opportunities to show different sides and whatnot. And Adrian Pastar is a fantastic actor, but he'd just been playing, you know, the comic relief, basically, the, the serious comic relief. And getting to see him turn and, and play, you know, a supervillain, I thought was, was just fantastic. Yeah. He was he was one of the highlights of, of the second half. Yeah. No, I, I never saw that coming for Talbot, and he did it so well. I mean, yeah. it, it's like when Talbot is the villain, he's ratcheted up to 11. You know, yep. he is the arch villain, And I am sad that he is permadead now, that we're not going to get him back. But, you know, it, it is what it is. They did the same thing to him in Heroes and killed him off before it was <laughs> end over, so... <laughs> I guess that's just yeah. the fate of Talbot. All right, so um, any any last thoughts on season five? Either an episode you want to talk about, a character, whatever. Um, Ryan, anything like that? I got three quick things, but okay. I'll, I'll be quick about them. I think this one had the best infinite best Marvel movie tie-in since uh, Civil War. I'm sorry, since Winter Soldier. I felt like they handled Infinity War and in a way that made sense only because they were locked out of it, but at the same time it was going on around them and mm -hmm. they acknowledged it and it drove Talbot in a way that maybe otherwise he wouldn't have gone that far off the deep end. His descent into madness was because we knew the character was just tragic. And it, I basically snapping aside, I consider Talbot to be uh, maybe another one of the victims of Thanos up there with, you know, Gamora and everyone else that he killed by hand. So, yeah, I, I just thought the fact that it was occurring in the background, but at the same time, they weren't directly reacting to it. They did it extremely well. See, that's interesting, because I thought that this was poorly handled. Oh, no. I felt like they shouldn't have even referenced it at all and just made that the Kree were coming the reason for Talbot to need more power and everything and, and just do that. Because I thought it was so it was so tacked on that it was so unnecessary that it was just like, oh, we're referencing it just to reference it, that I was just like, uh, you know, just just don't, guys. Uh, it's why I'm kind of excited that season six is, uh, you know, is taking is, is debuting after all the Marvel movies that year. And, so and I think that's exactly why. If this season had aired 
prior to May or or after May or whatever than the month, not the character. Then right. yeah, it would have been fine to maybe ignore it. But the timing was just too perfect. They had to acknowledge it. Because yeah. let's be honest, we're all kind of looking for it in some way. We've been doing that since season one. Uh, so they absolutely had to work it in somehow. And I, and I think they did. I don't know. They didn't reference Black Panther at all. So I don't think that they have to. How, how would they have referenced Black Panther? Well, they could have said that, you know, this is most going people, on in the world. or Yeah, but, but most people in the U.S. wouldn't have been aware of the stuff that was going they on. They could in- have passed the Wakanda Outreach Center driving around. I don't know. And they still might, but that's like a low key. I mean, I don't, I don't think. <laughs> I know, but you're T'Challa... saying that they had to. Uh, they don't have to uh, quote the movie that's going on or, or tie into it because with Black Panther they didn't. Well, here's the thing, and we might, but I don't think from the time that Black Panther ended to now, which has been let's see, February to May, three months. I mean, he could have opened a hundred outreach centers and one of them might still not be in maine or wherever right. the heck the no, I, is. i'm just giving that as an example of a way it could have been referenced there's all sorts of ways they could have re- they could have referenced the that the he was making that speech to the u.n i mean they could have referenced it a million different ways okay well then let me move on to the sure. second thing i wanted to really quick really quickly mention which was that quote i found it <laughs> the, the simmons quote i that i think she had one of the best quotes and maybe it's just be uh my background that makes me think so but when they had first arrived into the future, it was like, it was literally, I think, the first or second episode. And they, when they finally realized they're in the future, and May goes, so, so we'll, we'll have to find our own way back. And they all look at Simmons, and she goes, well, I'm a biologist, but she, <laughs> I can invent time travel. Just give me a minute. You know? <laughs> they acknowledged the fact that not just because you have one specialty doesn't make you just because you're an engineer doesn't make you a physicist, doesn't make you a mathematician or a biologist. You're not a specialist in every freaking field. Yeah, you know? Felicity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking at you. <laughs> so there you go. You know? But the very, very last thing I, I want to say here is, and I want to call this back to, I've mentioned this, I think, on every Ant-Man podcast we've done <laughs> and, uh, and other, and maybe even Iron Man, I don't know, other things. Now, not only do I want a freaking, like, like um, MCU of the 80s, but it better freaking have Patrick Warburton in it. And yes. Capacity. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see more of him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Holographic Warburton is the best. Okay. That's fair enough. James, any final thoughts on anything with season five? Uh, no. I mean, okay. it's... I, I, I enjoyed season five overall. I mean, I definitely agree that there were, like, I think part one definitely had more low points to, to a lot of degrees than, like, part two. And I think that's just because we saw, like, I don't, I don't know that I like seeing all of the characters kind of at odds with most of each other. You know, you had, you know, you had everything between Yo-Yo and Mac, and then you had everything kind of the back and forth between, like, Coulson and May. So I, I like the fact that in part two, we see a lot of it all kind of come back together, uh, you know, and the fact that everybody's just like, you know, it's not your decision, Coulson, even though it really kind of is. So <laughs> it's yeah. One yeah, of let's those... forget about body autonomy and, you know, having the right to choose your own care or anything like that. But... <laughs> so, I mean, I thought I thought overall it was good. And I'm interested to see what they're going to do with season six after what they've done with season five. Honestly, I feel like they could have left season five right where they did. And that could have been the end of the series. And I would have been perfectly fine with it. Yeah. And uh, Jen, any final thoughts about anything for season five? I thought that season four was phenomenal. I was so excited about this show coming out of season four. And I was super disappointed overall in, in season five. I think I think they finished 
on a, on a good note. I think that if this had been the end of the series, then, then they would have tied things up nicely. I don't dare to hope uh, for, for the next season. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that since they've got such a huge amount of time before it's going to happen, that they will have plenty of time to, to work out any of the bugs in terms of, of storylines and characterization and all that. I, I just... I, I got to be honest, I, you know, I, I did a, a podcast on this for three years and I was glad I wasn't doing a podcast on it this year because I was like, I don't have that much to say other than to just bitch about how much you don't like it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping that they, uh, that they do better next year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought it took a step down from season four, but I didn't think that it took such a giant landing. I still enjoyed it more than season one. I enjoy doing my laundry more than season one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still felt that it was a good show. I Like I say, I'm a sucker for dystopian futures you have to change kind of thing. So, so that whole storyline had me hooked just on the, the base of it. I thought they did all sorts of interesting things from Inhumans as a commodity to what they did with the remnants of Hydra, even though I'm annoyed with Hydra coming back yet again. You know, I, I feel like they really need to come up with something else. Even AIM. Bring AIM back. <laughs> there's there's all sorts of things you can do with AIM. You know, just because the, the one guy from Iron Man 3 is dead, you know, doesn't mean that AIM has to be gone completely. I, I, I feel like there's a lot more basis for that than, you know, after all the times you've said Hydra's completely gone, to bring out, like, another cell or whatever. So, anyway, that's just my, that's my spiel on that. But, yeah, I enjoyed Season 5 overall. Deke's been promoted to a full cast member, so take that what you will for season six. But, you know, I hope Coulson comes back and uh, and we'll just have to see. But, yeah, like others said, if, if season five had been the end, I would have been satisfied, even though I am happy that there is going to be a season six. And hopefully, I mean, I, ha- I mean, other people have mentioned this, a half season will hopefully give them... You know, a better, you know, they'll, they'll be able to concentrate their writing on the fewer episodes and be able to, to do quality. I, I, I don't believe that less is necessarily better, you know, because it depends on the schedules of what other things these people are working on. But, you know, that they might still have their attention focused, you know, split on other things. But um, at least at least I hope that less means that they can that they can crank out better quality. So, yeah, just to, to sort of finish up, James, uh, any hopes for season six? God, I just, I don't know. Like, I, part of me almost hopes they don't find Simmons and she just has to, or, or Fitz, sorry, she doesn't find Fitz, the other Fitz, and she just has to deal with <laughs> uh, um, But they're not going to do that. We know they're not going to do that. Obviously, uh, I'm sure they're going to wrap up that storyline and they'll find Fitz and it'll be weird and awkward and that'll be part one and then part two will just be, uh, you know, they're still tortured people. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm or or they'll, they'll all get killed off and we'll find out they all have doubles that they can just pull out and be like, oh, fooled ya. <laughs> they're completely right. so, replaceable so, now. Like, Colson's, you know, at this point, like Colson's, you know, they know Colson's likely dead and et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll end the season and it'll all just be Colson's fever dream. And he'll just be like, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> I've I said really this before. <laughs> I, I've said this before. Clark Gregg did a sitcom called The New Adventures of Old Christine. I, I've said before that if they're going to end this show, it should be with him waking up in the, on the set of that show and being like, oh, I had such a horrible dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah everyone would hate it but i would laugh and laugh 
Uh, if you want to get really meta, you know, if we could incorporate like Julia Louise Dreyfus's Veep character as vice pre- president into the MCU and waking up with him somehow, yeah, no, let's do this. I could see that. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, any uh, final thoughts for season? Or um, I'm sorry, any hopes for season six? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, this season was down from last season in quality, but it's still consistently good. You're coming off of a what if season is always going to be, you know, where you play the what if game is always going to be lower. So I guess I, for season six, especially since there's like a 98% chance it's going to be the final season, I would want them to to do it right, to do it justice. They've done all the homages, they've done all the callbacks, so now it's time to take it up a little. And uh, don't worry about necessarily doing loose ends, getting rid of those. Don't bring back Hydra. Yeah, I, I think they brought Hydra back in part because it was at the end. It was to wrap it all up. It's the final Hydra leader. So let's God's sakes, not do that. Uh, I want them to do to pull something from the MCU. I mean, okay, this is going to sound... Follow me on this one. This is what I want. <laughs> they've done space. They've done the future. They've done the framework. I want a Savage Land. Mm-hmm. I want them to go try and find Fitz, and then they get him from space, and then on the way back, they get shot down or whatever, and they crash in the Savage Land. And I would be... Ha- and they find Kazar, and I'm, I'm happy. That might work if the Fox merger happens just before the new season debuts, because I would bet you money that Kazar is part of the Fox deal, because he's such an X-Men satellite character, even though he's not a mutant, that I can't believe that he's not part of the, the X-Men deal that they have with uh, Fox. But certainly if the merger happens before that, they could well, do it. Well, even if he is, the Savage Land might not be. Eh, maybe. But okay, yeah, no, that's something I would have never thought of. <laughs> In a million years. <laughs> but interesting. Jen, what about you? Any hopes for season six? I hope that it continues to to get better, uh, and that whatever it is that they, whatever secret sauce they had for for this season, that they that they get off it <laughs> and go back to whatever they were doing in season four. Because I thought that that a lot of this season was a mess. I obviously do not want to have to go another four episodes without having my fits back. So get on that, guys. Get that taken care of the first couple of episodes. Beyond that, I don't know. I, I don't have anything in particular. Obviously, like everybody, I would love to see it tie in more with the movies. I would love for them to, you know, start out referencing whatever happens in the second Avengers Infinity War. But I also have very little hope that that will happen. Yeah, that's if anyone even knows what happens in the second half of Infinity War. If it's done in such a way... That it's undone in such a way that, like, nobody even remembers that it ever happened in the first place. They pretty much have to do that, do it that way, because there's so many people who died from having their pilot snapshot. Right. Something like that. If they're really gonna make things right, they have to just time travel retcon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I It'll agree. end up being that only the Avengers, or only even a few Avengers, will remember anything exactly. happened. Exactly. That's what I think. And somehow Captain Marvel's going to remember, so that way she can be back part of the group in later movies. That's, you know, that's why she's back from space now. But, all right, yeah, no. Here's hoping that season six will be, uh, you know, uh, something awesome, but we won't find out until July, which really sucks. (laughs) But, oh well, it's it's great that it's coming back at all, I guess, and at least in the summer, that means that I'm not going to have a whole lot of other things competing for my attention, so just focus on watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is good. All right, so Jen, thank you for being on the show, and uh, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Okay, goodbye, you guys. It has been a pleasure as always. 
a very long pleasure. Extended <laughs> <laughs> pleasure, but there, there's that. I, you, you're not going to be able to find me, basically. I exist on Facebook. I have a Twitter account, but I am about to uh, begin my second to last semester of coursework for my doctorate. And I don't have a whole lot of time, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to be uh, doing anything for podcasts. My, my one convention appearance is going to be a academic conference, the South Atlantic Modern Language Association. But on the plus side, I am doing a geeky thing at it. I'm, I'm doing something on representations of trauma in Jessica Jones. So that's me. And then who knows what's going to happen in the spring. But that's me now through December. All right. And yeah, people, go to that convention just to see Jen's panel. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I do not. It does sound like an interesting panel, though. That panel is going to be fun as hell, but we are the only popular culture panel that is happening pretty much at that conference. I got, I, I mean, it's it's over in Alabama. I live in Atlanta, and I'm like, how long is it going to take me to drive back? <laughs> like, do I do I really have to stay over, or can I just drive home? <laughs> Because it just, yeah. All right. James, thank you for being on the show. And I, I hope that you're not too out of your mind right now. But uh, please say goodbye <laughs> and let people know where they can find you. I'm always out of my mind. <laughs> but people can find me at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter. Same place on Facebook, Roman on the Rocks. I do have a website. Same name. I mean, it's pretty much just do a search for Roman on the Rocks. You'll find me out there. But beyond that, yeah, it's been a pleasure. All right. And Ryan, it has, I won't say it's been great to have you on, but it's been an experience. <laughs> you know the the feelings mutual nathan <laughs> let's just say if it wasn't for that hefty paycheck i get for doing these podcasts uh, i don't know that i'd be showing up all this time <laughs> you know the hilarious thing is that i can't remember who it was but there was a time when someone legitimately asked one of the guests was like you get paid for doing this <laughs> like yes i pay people to come on the show so <laughs> yeah <laughs> It was all worth it just for one person who actually believed you, right, Ryan? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will take that horse. Once it's dead and decomposed and rotting, I will still find a way to kick it. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? All right. Well, you know, until next time, Internet, I'm not saying goodbye because there you go. That's another dead horse. You can find me on at DragonCon, but this DragonCon No, this is not going to air. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was about to say, this, could air between, this should air before DragonCon 2019. DragonCon 2019. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on twitter at geek stranger although frankly i use that as more of a means of just having a twitter account i don't actually use it uh you can find me through facebook through all these fine people uh where i will be telling them how wrong they are you are invited to by all means check out geekstranger.com where you can find my reviews of the recent releases like wonder woman <laughs> <laughs> And links to this podcast you're listening to right now. And it was actually updated recently. I'm so excited. Yes. yes. Well, that's because I'm in my pre-Dragon Con and I'll be in my post-Dragon Con creativity phase, you know, uh, okay. where I want to get done and just actually pretend like I'm a productive member of nerddom as opposed to just a voyeur. So, yeah, I don't know. You'll, you can find me around the internet. I'll be there. I'll. You got a question to ask me and I'll tell you why that's so much the case. Or I'll tell you an alternate theory, which is way better. Don't do it. all right well thanks guys thank you and that's it for our agents of shield season five episode 
We hope that you liked it. And if you did, there's a lot of different ways that you can let us know. The first way is by going to our website, 42cast.com, and giving us some feedback on the episode. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can send us an email at everything at 42cast.com. Or you can leave us a review on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. I also want to make sure that I mention the ESO Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash ESO Network. And what that is, is it's a way that you can contribute money to all the various podcasts on the network. It helps us do our advertising. It helps us to pay off for hosting space and things of that nature. So you support all the different podcasts on the network when you do that. And then you also get access to exclusive podcast episodes, including an episode from the 42 cast. And eventually there will be more up there that you can only get as a Patreon subscriber. So go check that out. I, of course, am very excited about Dragon Con coming up. If you've never been to Dragon Con, Dragon Con is basically like a combination of a San Diego Comic Con with a large party. I've heard some people describe it as basically being like Mardi Gras. It is a really, really fun time. It's not quite as big as San Diego Comic Con or New York Comic Con as far as number of attendees, but it's all fan run. It's the largest fan run convention in the country. You know, New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con are very corporate. You know, it's where Marvel and DC and Disney and, you know, all the different companies go to make their big announcements and they're basically running the show and calling the shots. Here it's all fan based. So if you've never been to Dragon Con, it's definitely an experience. If you live close enough where you can go, just go down for a day, you might want to just go down and sample it. It's always on Labor Day weekend, so it's a four-day convention from Friday through Monday. And just give it a shot. But if you are going to Dragon Con and you're curious about where you can find me, I'm on 17 panels this year. <laughs> Not by design, it just kind of happened that way. So uh, if you're curious about where you can find me, here is the schedule. So first up, on Friday, I have two panels. One is at 11.30 a.m., and it's the solo fan panel. And then I have one at 4 o'clock p.m., which is for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's all connected. On Saturday, 11.30, I am on the Orville versus Discovery Let the Games Begin uh, panel. At 2.30, I'm on Group Therapy, Character Deaths in Military Sci-Fi. At 4 o'clock, I'm on Bill and Ted's Excellent panel. At 7 o'clock, Dark Phoenix, Overdone or Is It Doable? 8.30 p.m., Ask the Experts, Everything Doctor Who Bingo. Then on Sunday, I am on Classic Sci-Fi Court. I'll be defending the movie Crawl. At 1 o'clock, I'm on the Big Finish Audios panel. At 2.30, I'm on the Special Topics in Babylon 5 Crusade panel. 4 o'clock, I'm on the Falling Skies, a fan discussion panel. At 5.30, I am on the Good Guys, Bad Guys, Gray Middle panel. At 7 o'clock, I'm on the Punisher, Castle's Dues panel. At 8.30, I'm on the Stargate Villains panel. And at 11.30, I am on the Orphan Black panel. On Monday, I have two panels. One is Fox Mutants, 20 Years in the Making at 11.30. And at 1 o'clock, I have the Gargoyles Goliath Size 25th Anniversary panel. So... Those are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sunday, I'm a little worried about just because of the sheer number of panels. I'm going to be doing almost nothing but panels on Sundays. 
I might even exhaust my ability to speak uh, and keep talking. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, and I think that there could also be a lot of fun there. So, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just have to see uh, what happens. That's it now for our podcast. So join us back next week when Kristen Ritter will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.